Hi everyone, welcome to the Spark Ninja podcast. In this episode, we're going to play a recording of last night's webinar where Paul and I actually discussed the DPC for Amendment 2 and which comments we felt like making and some of the other areas that we understand why the regulations are changing. The commenting is open until this Friday. It's Friday the 11th of December. So have a good listen while you're at work or while you're driving around. And if you did want to make any comments on the standard, you can just do a search for the actual BSI um, site or you can actually go to a site like the IET where they'll give you a link to get an access to the DPC of Amendment 2. You create a BSI login and then you find any particular regulation you want to comment on and you add them. If someone else has done a comment that you agree with, add a comment yourself because the more comments, then the stronger the argument. All right. This webinar isn't designed to sway you or give you a kind of a push in any direction. It's just our opinions um, and you have your own and yours are very important. So do do commenting if you feel the need to. All right, guys, speak to you soon. All right, so the, the first one that we've got here, is, it, is this more of a comical thing, this one? Paul, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, the, obviously there's some, new, there's some new terms in the first, in part one, as well as obviously in the definitions, but they've, yeah. they've changed the, 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 the time and trusted term domestic has now become dwelling, and we have now since learned the reasons why, and it is more harmonization across the EU, yeah. which uses the term dwelling which, as you can imagine, is going to make fun with the NIC logos on the side yes, of so the vans. Yes, you've, you've got that here, haven't you? The dwelling installer. Now, I don't think that they would do that. Um, no, we think no I, think, I think just the, the banter brigade would have too much fun with it. But just yeah. for anyone watching who's NIC registered, that is a joke, yeah, by the way. Is a, that, that, that is a joke. A joke. But, I mean, we're not, we're, we're, yeah, we're not really thinking that this is worthy of making a comment on. Um, no, ourselves professionally. No. But if you think if you think there's anything worthy, then then add on to that. I, I think that's just going to creep in. I, I, I can I can understand the harmonisation purpose for this. Yeah, it's a fun piece. Yeah. It's something yeah. to laugh at, but yes. it is what it is. It's just natural progression. It's just a bit of fun. Now, in the scope, however, we had the addition of the scope 110.1.2 yep. installation and support of fiber optic cables now some people will be like well these aren't electrical systems they're not cables so are they within the scope and reach of 7671 so you know my opinion of this is the erection of a wiring system would also include fiber optic installations we'd have to break fire barriers we'd have to have segregation of cables because a lot of these cable a lot of these uh, systems while they may not be you know current carrying conductors are still cables that are run through buildings so considerations need to be made with regards to breaking again fire barriers propagation erection methods and a lot of this might you know we may have to think about things like the integrity of the erection methods it might be that it's a safety critical kind of data connection so i think that this is a good inclusion the more we can do to allow the data guys to be a lot more aware of their potential of the, you know, the fact that 7671 is actually within their reach the better in my view i think it's worth adding dave if anybody wants more evidence that this is a good thing this premature collapse thing uh, if you you can actually go and see the shirley towers photographs where they've been they have been released to the general public and you can actually see some of the telecoms and various other cables and it's worth noting as well regulation 11012 in it's actually part three line three 
Um, and it says wiring systems and cables not specifically covered by the standards for appliances. Um, but it also says in part five, sorry, fixed equipment for information and communication technology, signaling yeah. and control. So this, I think this has just been added as a include fiber as well, because cables are cables. And it's, a car, it's a cable, isn't it? It's a fiber optic cable. Yeah. And how many, yeah. how many telecoms installers actually give you a certificate at the end of it, as we've said before, the state that they've complied with the premature collapse intent of 7671. Yeah. So this hopefully will go some way to improving the industry. So for me, there's no comment on it, but I think it's a fantastic change. Yes, but it's we're, we're just adding this because we think it's a necessary change and it's a good one. You may disagree. If you disagree, you can comment on that. That's I fine. don't think yeah. I don't think there's any need to reword it either. I think it's fairly clear. Uh, I think, as Paul has said, there is a need for the data industry or the data installers to be a lot more aware of how their work comes within the reach of oh, 7671. Yes. There's work to be done there, but I don't think the work has to be done here. Okay, uh, with part two, we, we're not really going to worry too much about all the definitions that are added with consideration of part eight. We'll talk about part eight right toward the end. Um, and we're not going to cover all of part eight. We're going to cover more of a just a, a thought process about what part eight is for. And then we can apply that to all of that. And that includes the definitions. But a couple of other definition changes that we had. One was the consumer unit here. And it's... It's got a key wording change. So was particular type of distribution board comprising a type tested coordinated assembly for the control and distribution of energy, principally in domestic premises. So what they're doing is the, the change here is obviously considering the capability of the users. And so they're adding the, the, um, the term ordinary person. That's the proposed change. So ordinary persons aren't exclusively domestic. So does this mean that these boards actually will then go outside of domestic? There's also one other thing that's been changed, is they've removed reference to fuses. The fuses themselves, yeah. So is that the, the DEFNL for uh, 3036s? Is we'll be starting to get rid of them? <laughs> well, again, I mean, it does say in the standard, like any overcurrent protective device, and all of these devices, if they're going to be used where there's ordinary persons, then there should be you know super selection of them and we shouldn't be able to reset we shouldn't be able to adjust them so i think that's latching this but the the removal of the term fuse is interesting um mm. maybe maybe 3036 is uh, starting to have a bit of an expiry date i think well, i think one thing we've learned uh, i think especially in recent years is you can see the sows of it the, the seeds of intent so if you remember a 17th edition amendment 3 introduced the first reference to art fault but everyone went mental when it came in the 18th it wasn't it was in the 17th edition the amendment 3 so you see where they're going with the direction of the regulation i don't think this is a bad thing i don't no. think at all it's a bad thing all right um again this other one here dso Paul, um, you're actually you've been talking about DSOs a lot longer than the regs have. Yeah, this is my this is my favourite picture probably mm. for educational purposes of all time. In all fairness, because at the top there you have your traditional generation, transmission, uh, distribution, stepping down, going underground into your domestic home. A lovely traditional one direction source and load circuit, known as the national grid. 
-hmm. And the future uh, journey is not a, a lovely a linear system. It's this complex web of supply, demand, generation um, across multiple levels. So from the prosumer, which is a new term that I've introduced with cars, PV, battery storage, micro generation, and even on the commercial industrial front where we, you can now easily go out and put a five or six gigawatt solar array and then knock yeah. on National Grid's door and say, I want to plug in, please. I think one of the key things to understand with this, I mean, this is how we learned it at college. They generate it, they juice it up, they transmit it, they juice it down, then we use it. This starts here, but look, here the power is going both ways. Because we're generating at this end and we're offering it back. So it really is an important change of understanding with DSOs. So Lawrence Harrington, if you don't mind, has asked, where did that picture come from? If I remember rightly, it was Northern Powers example, which they wrote about mm. three years ago. As John said, there are there are videos online where um, if you if you Google them, you can find references and videos from the Energy Network Association talking about distribution system operators. The transition from DNO to DSO was more you, you're not a linear supply and demand distribution you're a smart integrated receive produce demand distribute it's a different phrase to reflect the modern systems but at worst case scenario if you can't find it let me know and i will I'll, i will send you that slide yeah I mean, you, you mentioned john it's probably worth mentioning i mean john's just done a video which kind of shows the consumption of power and yes. the generation of electricity and how we're pushing down the coal and how we're heavily relying on other sources gas and wind and stuff and that is all part of this uh, infrastructure so do watch his content on those yeah, okay. um we didn't cover part three because we didn't really think that there was anything in part three that was pretty much one change pretty much yeah uh we weren't too uh, overburdened with that um we've got more interesting stuff in parts four and five so first thing in part four is this rewording of bonding so I think that what they're trying to do is expand on this understanding of metallic. Instead of the wording of metallic pipes just being mentioned in the little part now, metallic pipes are mentioned throughout. There's still some question about the effectiveness of metallic pipes and non-metallic pipes about extraneous conductive parts. And I'd like us to go eventually down the avenue of us not having a yes or no decision made in the regs, but actually testing them ourselves. Um, I had someone contact me just this week. He had a plastic service coming in, but he wasn't too cons too sure about it because he was told to bond it still. We carried up tests, and he actually then verified it was a, you know it wasn't an extraneous conductive part, and he was then satisfied. Um, any questions with this, Paul? I know that there's a um, or do we move no, on this to is, next? This is this is kind of the the common one that we uh, everybody knows. It's the list of stuff yeah. you need to bond. I think they've just reworded it better. To be honest with you, um, yeah. I think it explains yeah. it a lot better. It, it does. Uh, we've added this though. Oh yes. So this is this is the ongoing debate, isn't it? Is um, I think it's it's fair to say if you, if you remember the picture that somebody had bonded a bit of plastic pipe, which everybody looks at as just really stupid and dumb. Um, however, and this is a debate going on at the moment in certain uh, online forums, mm. is um, these plastic pipes we now may possibly need to understand the makeup of these pipes, as you can see there from uh, the example there, the M MLCP pipe, that has an aluminium extrusion as part of its makeup to reinforce it. Aluminium is a conductor. Is there any special precautions we need to understand 
when considering the bonding. Uh, and this is this is this has been quite a hot topic of debate, to be honest with you, as to are we doing any research? Are we looking at this? Um, so this was an extra slide we put in because we thought it's probably really good to actually just throw it out and get the awareness going as to um, what do we do with it? Do we just assume it's plastic and because it is plastic, but underneath it can conduct? So is there a potential that at a joint under the ground there could be a transference of voltage and it enter the installation via it maybe can, possibly? Yeah. So it can. I mean, this, this, this outside sleeve is providing some form of protection, but then we have this reinforcement inside. So there is potential for some damage to occur that may not rupture the pipe, but that may expose potential. I was looking last night for the electrical dielectric strength of the insulation mm. from the manufacturer. So I was on their website Googling it. I couldn't find anything. Mm. But straight away, my brain tells me is I want to understand the level of insulation resistance that this affords. And is there a special connection detail? Because at the end of these, they use those uh, pneumatic crimps and they are metal. Yes. Um, so there is a potential for that conductivity. Uh, again, this may make people probably going, well, no, don't be silly, don't be silly. <laughs> How do you know? Well, this, this is the thing we, what we don't want to do like and this happens a lot is we we make a change we make an assumption and then we find out three or four years later actually there was another problem and we want to try to think ahead of potential problems well the worst case scenario point. is somebody will turn around and go oh this is this i've got a really funny reading here um and look at all the bonding and go well that bond can be disconnected and then all of a sudden they do a test and all the readings have gone out the window mm. why is that put it back and go i'm bonding to plastic i don't understand i've reinstated the clamp um chris ruddock's made a brilliant suggestion i wonder if a warning notice should be placed by the water tap explaining that alterations may require consulting with a competent electrician i think if you're doing a new build guys if you're on them it might be worthwhile getting some samples of the pipes the guys are laying so that you can actually have a look yourself mm. and get a bit more educated on the different types of pipe um and the various protective measures for it so yeah again this is particularly this type of pipe but we need to be more aware of these risks or these potentials <laughs> right uh should we move on we just um, hang on uh Mine says, if they have metal crimps on the end, maybe there should be a bonding tab on the crimp to allow for potential bonding. Indeed. Again, does this does this rely on the effectiveness of the plumber's installation method to actually verify that continuity isn't achieved? We, we need to do a bit more work on that, really. To James that. said we need more coordination between trades for bonding and earthing. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. Sam Cook have had an issue with something similar on a large scale where the external sheath became damaged on the incoming yet to be confirmed the outcome by the manufacturer. It's fascinating. This, this, these are journeys of discovery we're all going on. We assume that a plastic pipe you see, it is. But when you then look at an image, you go, hmm, actually, if that's being pneumatically crimped, there will be some sort of strength there, something to reinforce that pipe. Is there a potential that a conductive sleeve could bring uh, power or voltage in like uh, as defined as extraneous yes again as you said you've tried to contact the manufacturer to find the insulation tolerance yeah of this material and if we don't know it could be that it's fine for nominal voltage but it not, might not be fine for transients yeah, I mean, you could things. end up with ghost cities, couldn't you? And you could yeah. also end up with mystery um, uh, diverted neutral currents going, well, all my services are insulated. Where's it coming from? Was it actually on the sheath of your water pipe that's plastic? Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah. it's another journey of discovery. And this is something that probably won't actually have any impact on Amendment 2, but it's something that we will keep an eye on. Hey, listen, this is the first time we're talking about it here anyway, to honestly. We're not mentioning yeah. this on anything, so... Yeah, well, that's the point. We, kind of, we update these in real time, don't we, these presentations? We do. We do indeed. All right, AFDDs. So, 
We did a big journey of discovery with the AFDD when we looked at it back then and we were educated and 62606 wasn't that updated that was that was updated wasn't it yeah it's been amended since it came yeah. out yeah since it's been out and um yeah we've done we've done we've done some we've done some learning and where are we at with these devices now um i, I you know what i think they're a good device i think yeah, they are they are coming down in cost they are cost prohibitive yeah. um i think the one thing that we've we've said is is they are they should be selected and erected in in, in proportion to the nature of the load yeah um, at the moment the current regulations say premises of sleeping accommodation everybody rouse over that locations yes. of risk of fire nature of materials fine but it also should be load you know um most people now will acknowledge that if if you have a domestic lighting circuit there is no advantageous need for it on a 60 watt lighting circuit yeah. but a electric cooker an electric shower very much so i've know? seen i've seen a few posts now on instagram and other places electricians and they really are starting to kind of break down the number of afdds it was first of all just all afdds but now there's somewhere there are a couple of non-afdds and there are some that are and you can see they're a bit being a bit more sensible in their selection um which which helps because it helps you use them it's better to use them uh to bring the cost down in the long term um but only if necessary now electrum in particular bring them down to one and a half amp don't they um so that's wilex and uh do they crabtree do afdds don't know yeah they do them in all, um, all, all variations all of, variations. Breaker, all of them yeah, yeah, yeah. okay anything um, to electrum you can pretty much get in now the requirement of 62606 was two and a half amp. Electric brought mm -hmm. it down to one and a half amp. Now it lighting is. circuits aren't typically going to go over that anyway, one and a half amp. Um, so they're not the pollution category three or above. So, no, uh, so heavy, domestic heavy commercial only. and industrial, um, they're not very much useful. Um, yeah. And there's no free phase version of them yet. Yet, no. So um, we are we again. Very we interesting. Are, yeah, we are. We are expanding our understanding of these devices. Um, and I think I think I think we're okay now with them. And I think the changes. Let's just go to this potential change here. Um, actually, here's a couple oh, of slides. Um, series and parallel arcs that's parallel arc, basically what they look for series arc we're seeing a number of examples of series arcs that afdds would have helped with being shown on uh social media now and i mean this is the key culprit isn't it the white goods really yeah um and this new method of protection the afdd okay we have done videos on afdds our first early videos of afdds uh we weren't very pleased with the outcome uh we then went on a learning journey and we were then critical of them pending some changes. 62606 was amended, and we got to understand some more parts of them. I think we just got more honesty from the manufacturers as we went. Yeah, well, the, the manufacturers, I think, adopted the philosophy of buy our product. It's amazing. Yes. But there are too many electricians out there now who will trust, but they need to verify. Trust, but verify. And we, we needed to understand because it's yeah. not the manufacturer standing in the person's home. It's you. And if, if that person happens to be reasonably intelligent, you should be able to say, well, actually, this little device is a computer that analyzes that waveform and it's able to tell a good arc from a bad arc when there's some sort of fault or loose connection that will save your house from catching fire. And I think that was my, my frustration. My biggest frustration really was that, was that, that we weren't, you know, electricians weren't being given enough information yes. to then speak to the client. What we were being told is they stop fires you know yeah. um which, which is technically brilliant. yeah which is great but every other installation prior to afdds should in theory have had the same outcome remember rcds were supposed to be supplementary protection from fire as well mm. so right the proposed yeah, changes then 
it's this not bad. Needs to kick off on. It's a shall. I, 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 I get it, but this technology is, is. I think it still bit needs to be established, and the cost needs to come down. Um, it shouldn't have to cost you over a thousand pound for a board if you are packing out a board. Mm. Um, but yeah, our folks shall be provided for single phase AC but, circuits. But we knew this was coming because yes. we knew we knew of the push in Europe. Do you think that if we keep the shall, that will then obviously force the hand, and these will then be more affordable quicker, and industry in industry quicker? Do you think we'll just get over this hump? Um, of having a period. I mean, I the, attitude, know, the attitude years ago was quite bad. The manufacturers were just saying, sod it, they'll have to pay for it. The, the, I think the, 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 the sting in the tail for a lot of blokes is you can go into a wholesale and you'll buy, say, a, I don't know, a 10-way RCBO Taipei board and it will cost you 500 quid one week, go there another week, and it'll be 300 quid. Yeah. Um, and that, that does leave a bad taste in the mouth. The hardest thing is I think a lot of electricians would definitely recommend these. Um, and I think there would be no doubt to them seeing this as the next level of protection for the cabling um but there is the negative alternative because if you're doing a board change and you're selecting afdd are you going to get loads of callbacks from all the white goods kicking in probably this is exactly what happened in germany and austria when when we went to see the guys at germany austria they said they had so many ripped out and sent back to the manufacturers there was nothing wrong with the devices it was the mindset of the people they didn't want their devices detecting cheap rubbish plugged in and tripping out. Well, I remember. I remember when I was on the tools in a, a local authority, we'd put in RCDs back in the 16th edition when we had to have socket outlets with RCDs. We go in, we put the device in, then suddenly the refrigerator or the washing machine isn't suitable anymore. That device that they've had for 10 years or so is all of a sudden not suitable because it's tripping the RCD. Um, and this might happen a lot with AFDDs. We may have that the actual. Um, device being introduced will raise awareness of maybe undiscovered faults amongst their it, equipment it, I, i'm i'm a big fan of this to me is the definition of a regulation like with rcds that needs a, a, a engineering judgment good selection direction uh, mark holmes has put most new jobs i do a split down into a lot of smaller circuits onto rcbo's which is great with the price of afdds will be going back to bigger circuits with additional load and throw the 30 milliamp leakage out the window i think the 30 amp milli the 30 milliamp leakage one which we'll go on to it's a very difficult one at the moment because there's not enough info out there, but yes. we'll come on to it a bit later. Yeah, we'll come on to that, but it's a good point. I mean, we're going we're, we're to try to do is try to put larger circuits together for fewer AFDDs, which will then mean larger collective amounts of protective conductor currents, which is basically, you know, that, that's not going to be achievable either. Um, Kevin has said in the questions here, can the program or the computer be updated yet inside the AFDD to detect different um, future arcing events or future devices? As far as I'm concerned, no. You were aware of any way to get these updated? Uh, no, you can't update them. No, no pretty much. Now, um, we did say that in our previous um, videos on this. When when the board gets to that point of being connected to the internet, and, you know, we're not far away from that. It's coming. Uh, it's coming very, very soon. Uh, this really is, I think, I said this in the previous video, this is like the first generation of this technology. Um, the next generation or the third generation will always be connected to the internet and will feed back information and will be updated um, as new devices. Because, you know, they're, they're designed, you know, they're designed to look within a, le- a threshold, but different manufacturers will do things differently. Uh, you know, it's like, um, 
it's like uh, hair straighteners and things, you know, hair straighteners work in one way, but then you've got companies that manufacture these flexible plates that then use the electronics in a completely different way. Manufacturers will always push the boundary and the device will just become a, a static point in time. And the device yeah. may then become redundant. We might find ourselves replacing these so, or newer models. From a comment perspective, I would, I would go online and I would say, I would suggest this stays a recommendation for the time being. So I would take Xiao and I would just be recommended. I would also yeah. get rid of that junk that they've put I one and two, three, four, and this, five and six. I tell you what this is, right? This is lazy. What they've done is they've looked at the protection against overcurrent and fault current and the two requirements where we don't want them due to the risk. There are two regulations with the emission of protection against overload and fault current. And it's these. These are exactly quoted from 434 and 433. And they've added light circuits at the bottom. Oh, I would actually I would actually reinstate. So if I was commenting on this, I would suggest that you say, um, my, maybe my recommendation would be um, premises would be um, maybe uh, dwellings. Uh, change it from premises to dwellings. Locations with risk of fire, I would definitely put back in there. Locations with combustible constructional materials, mm, depends. Um, fire propagating structures, yes. Locations of endangering of implaceable goods, yes. Lighting circuits in dwellings, yes. Mm. Um, medical IT equipment, yes. But the rest of it, get rid of. Oh, and the fire alarm as well. You see, I mean, yeah, I mean, location risk of fire and combustible materials those environments are surely going to be pollution category three or so, you know, yeah. so uh, these devices might not be suitable for those anyway. And Tony Albany has said, please forgive me if the name is wrong. Um, he says, it just scares me. It's hard enough in the domestic market. It is. It's all manufacturers do this differently. Shouldn't they be uniformed? The principle, the intent of the standard 62606 is uniform, Yeah. but it's like going out to a wholesaler and saying, can I have a MCB and getting a, a, a double width one and going, what's this? It's technically a 60898 MCB. It's just a different way of doing yeah. it. Fundamentally, they have to, they have to get an outcome. The outcome has to be the same but how they get there it's down to them is down to them but this is why we've said electricians will end up picking the manufacturers they want and and using them as their go-to brand now next year we know because schneider announced it at their their industry conference next year schneider are going to leave release a double pole breaker which is an mcb an rcd an afdd and the power tag technology if correct me if i'm wrong here mm -hmm. built in where the video they show has a guy with an app on his phone and it messages him saying um dangerous arc detected breaker tripped yes that's going to be one of the new yeah. offerings next year that's incredible and that to me again is already the, the next generation of protected devices from the afdd yeah. uh connecting it to the you know the internet of things connecting the distribution and the power requirement to the to the client i mean clients already now want to speak to their heating program their lighting controls on their devices so if if science going to trip or it's going to overload they want to also have that notification on their phone or that information they don't give a damn and if you tell them if you remotely say to them press your test button they might actually bother if that gets told to them remotely on their phone yeah okay? and if That's you had software that said that then you're getting rid of that labeling requirement because the software will say, right, you're due a test. And if you keep popping this notification up and you can't remove it until it's obviously been told to the app that it's been tested, then you've got a winner there. And uh, maybe Schneider can add that. If you're watching Schneider, add that. And there you go. Yeah. But this is, the th this is the point. Yeah, They'll speak to all the appliances and the appliances will speak to them. And that's where we're at now. 
Eddie. They want to speak to the fridge. Everything wants to speak to the fridge, Eddie. Everything. Yeah. What should we see? Cook has made an interesting comment. Looks after a school which houses 10 plus boarding houses subjected to requirements of installing AFDDs. Okay. The school employ four electricians on site who maintain it. Great. Which would adequate risk assessments require the neglection of these as they're continually under supervision daily. However, on the 75 private houses they rent to staff, they want to replace distribution boards which are no older than five years old. In terms of distribution equipment, well, I would say straight away, my client hat on is, is where's the value add for me? Um, mm. You know, have they done a periodic and are they, uh, is this an insurance based issue? Because five years old, you wouldn't, why would you want to upgrade unless you can determine a value add uh, in terms of safety? Yes, they will. But really five years old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I would risk assess. I would, I would personally, if I was the engineer responsible, I would do a risk assessment and I would then put a plan in place at say 25 years to then replace with whatever the latest FDD is. Yeah. Rich, Richard says, how would you be able to reset the device if using it on the phone? Well, the alert to tell you would go on the phone and then you, you can't reset device. it on the phone. And when you reset the device, the device will then tell the software it's been done. It's been tested and then oh. the application will go. There, there are Mr. devices that here. do work Mr. remotely. Here. He would be saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, because the minute you start having software taking control of stuff, you would then uh, go under safety integrity levels and various other directives of the EU. Um, so, yeah, getting the notification, having one-way traffic um, is probably as where we want to stop. I know there are devices where you can get them where they commercially reset, and I bet you if you asked for their SIL certificate and their ratings, they would probably question what you're talking yeah. about. So, uh, yeah, let's not go down that road. So I think... I think I'm with you that in that I think we I think this shell requirement is too soon. Yep. Um I don't like this whole list here. No, the, the list needs to it's needs to be amended and the shell needs to be yeah, It's gump. So just reading this, it basically says all AC final circuits. Oh no. Yeah. Shall provide for all AC final circuits for sockets and fixed equipment up to thirty two amp. Okay. And that's it. Lighting circuit's been exception. You're saying, oh, no. What's up? Uh, James Green's made a comment. BSEN 62606 seems to be due for another amendment. DPC due in mid-February. Due for publication February 22. To, uh, this, uh, they're evidently updating it. Great. And uh, so, so we're, about to, we're about to say, yes, let's have this child requirement for a device that's actually about to be amended to the standard. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, let's, let's move on. Definitely, definitely too early for shall. If it's, yeah, if it's without well done James yeah definitely too early for that so that's that's our comment um, I'd actually add that I'll probably say um, pending that amendment I'd add that into my comment on that right moving on we've got addition to 422.1 so 422.1 the course where risk of fire exists we've got this introduction of the need to consider the fire safety design of a building yeah documentation of this Fire safety manual produced by or for the person responsible for the building, as detailed in the local national fire safety legislation, including, for example, BS 79999. So what's the regulations actually asking us here? Um, this is more about the duty of care for cooperation and coordination. So the current regulation is a bit, um, it's only two lines, which are mm. in white. That has all been added 
because what they're evidently doing is even though at the reg uh, at the very start of it 110 i think it is it talks about other regulations we need to be mindful of 5839 yep. um this is now just reminding us uh, anything to do with fire safety this is a grenfell output evidently mm-hmm. um, preempting it is where the fire safety design building is documented we should speak to the person responsible so that we can understand it because the last thing you want to do is poke a load of conduits or plastic trunkings into area where you're completely breaching fire compartmentation and you may not have known so this is a can you mr electrical installer when you're updating your knowledge please be mindful of fire safety for the building and that will that will include the alarms compartmentation and obviously premature collapse so regardless of all the arguments people had when the 18th edition came out and amendment 3 the 17th fire safety is becoming more paramount obviously yeah with a with um, grenfell i don't so. disagree with this actually i think it's a good um level of information although i'd like to see it in more plainer english especially when it talks about um to me main propagation and all that malarkey. yeah i mean to me having those standards within the scope in one one would have meant that this is already in the regulations but now it's been just expressed more that it's needed yeah you know and again that's where the afdd comes in because the guys are saying like showers absolutely and and for me if i'm selecting an afdd it's very simple is is it above the one and a half or two and a half amps the manufacturer say how long am i using the product for do i have to control the installation for me i don't possibly need them but any other home yes showers large current boilers cookers without a doubt yeah and no, they're not going in appliances because they write the rigs. So, <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right, so you've got this next slide here, just showing these here, Paul. Um... Yeah, this is just a visual to link the fact that most people um, believe that the five eight three nine and all these others don't link to them. But if you look at the top there, that's regulation five six zero from the blue book. Fire detection and alarm systems shall comply with five eight three nine. You then go into five eight three nine, which is the British standard for fire alarms, part one. And it says in the installation practices, installation practices workmanship need to conform to 7671. It's a circle of cross-referencing. And mm-hmm. we are going to cover that next week. Tuesday. On our fire webinar. Yes, yes. We'll be coding fire systems. So please tune in for that. Last one of the year. Last one of the year, yeah. We're going to see the, the year out with that one. So the protected escape routes. <laughs> Yeah, this is um, this is just kind of a, a, a rewording, really, to be honest with you, of everything that was there because they had conditions BD two, BD three, and it was yeah, it was it's, a bit all it's, over the place. Yeah, the BD two, BD three is kind of leaving, and they're going more with this other idea here. But it's a very, very good um, regulation because I think we've discussed this on the podcast as well. Uh, cables and other equipment shall not be installed in protected escape route unless they're part of an essential fire safety system. Now. There's two notes. Generally, um, this means cables and protected escape routes should be limited to lighting, emergency lighting, fire detection, which in all fairness, emergency yep. lighting and fire detection can be a fire-resistant cable and alarms, um, although cables for other safety systems may be necessary. Hospitals may have special guidance, um, but only cables that meet the following requirements shall be installed. And it talks about flame propagation or where cable management systems meet the requirements of, of that as well. So that to me is interpreted as no more mini trunking in specific areas yes and I mean, some of this some of this information was already in part five for selection of the wiring systems in locations where there's a risk of fire blah, blah, blah. um so a lot of this information has come here from there uh, i guess that helps I, I think getting rid of the bd2 bd3 part is a little bit um makes it easier to understand pushing these in and the other half of this is here eddie wants to know what he codes when it comes to 5839 
stay tuned for Tuesday's <laughs> webinar or five six oh ten. Yeah, you're, yeah. So you you either ready just put a limitation on the regulation five six oh ten, or you then go into five eight three nine and actually ensure compliance with five eight three nine. Yep, basically. So um, it's going to be interesting because all the mini trunking that's around many, many, many social housing premise um, breaching fire compartmentations for evacuation routes and stuff. I look forward to the day where all that stuff is ripped out because years ago it used to be proper conduit jobs, pyros, mm. um, all fire resistant stuff anyway. So mm -hmm. back to the good old days. But I can see this driving in a good way some more short courses that. Um, help people brush up on their industrial skills conduit bending metal munching the stuff that people don't use because of cost um because i think fire safety increases are naturally going to increase cost and i think a lot of clients are not going to have a choice but to pay for it especially yes. with the output of the recommendations of grenfell because if they have a competent contractor tell them they can't tell the contractor to change their recommendation that's a competent contractor telling them yeah, I think one of the key things that they've discovered with this is, you know, again, I keep going back to the old clerk of the work strategy, where we'd have that one central person that would then coordinate compliance amongst different trades, different responsibilities, to make sure that we have that um, assurance that nothing compromises anything else. Um, pushing stuff this way is trying to go back that way um, and getting rid of the crap work. Hopefully, hopefully. Okay, um, 443.4 over voltage control. Is this the old rig? Uh, yeah, it looks like it. it. Yep, yep. Yeah. So this is the old regulation here. Yep. Um, there's been, and by the way, let me just, just get ahead. Actually, I'll do that in a minute. There's been a number of uh, comments on this one already, which is very interesting. People don't like this risk assessment method and they want it simplified. A lot of people are saying, let's just get them put in domestics as standard. And I think um, unless there's unless there's a safety reason, I, I mean, we, we discussed this with Kirstie, et cetera. We did. We basically just, agreed that the risk assessment, if you were doing it, you were kind of missing the point because yeah. the risk assessment was limited to, I think it was only of atmospheric origin. Um, that was the only time you use the risk assessment, whereas atmospheric, um, you still got to protect against transients that are coming off of the mains and from switching searches. So just it does. It does, yeah. It does seem disconnected to actually try, you know, trying to do the risk assessment. It just, it just seems like they should pull it out. There's lots of comments currently um, from the ECA and similar about the idea of just getting rid of all of this risk assessment and relying on 62305, and that we should go straight to 62305 for this. Um, well, we've always said that the standards are going to cross more. There's going to be overlay. Yeah. You can't just use 7671 anymore with the technologies that we have. Um, but I did see something from the ECA online the other day that said, I think it was their interpretation was there would be less need for surge protection devices, if I remember rightly, which I thought, hmm. Yeah, I couldn't quite see how, where they came with the outcome. When I just thought, you know that. what, for, for what it is and what it does, <coughs> yeah. One, one of the comments currently here is saying these SBDs top brand can cost £30 in domestic, you know. So, I mean, yes, I mean, the regulation even says, I mean, it, I'm trying to read this, except for single dwelling units. This is still quite frustrating, this this value here, you know. Sam Cook still installs pyro and trunking. God bless you, sir. Please keep it up. It's um, it's something that's been dying on its ass for 20 years. So go, keep on, doing. Go, on, go on Instagram and give us loads of pictures and stuff to then share with people. Richard Harrison saying this saying we can't wire general circuits in a corridor. Well, you, you could, 
but they would have to then consider the fire properties of the building um, and they would probably have to be a fire rated if you're running armoreds or saying fp400s uh, it'd be very expensive but basically keep the rubbish out of the areas where you need you don't need them is what it's saying basically yeah okay so the re the rewording is overarch protection be provided where consequence caused by the overarch could ser cause serious injury to a loss of human life that's understandable significant financial or data loss okay and then we have the um the notes there um nothing really important with that but except for the single dwelling units for all other cases where the consequence of the overage of the atmospheric origin are considered to be tolerable the risk assessment shall be performed in order to determine if protection is required so yeah this has been questioned a lot on the comments and i kind of agree i'm going to add a comment on this one i think that this is unnecessary for what we're talking about emitting emitting a device that achieves protection against an over voltage um, I think David's just written poorly to be honest well, in the existing and in the new it's written poorly. we're assessing risk to not install a protective device to me that's just bonkers bonkers you know that just feels weird I and don't think any electrician would knowingly if they know something is a genuine benefit and enhances the safety of the installation mm. um, they wouldn't install it the, 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 the balance is where you install a new protective device in the existing installation and the loads then could cause tripping nuisances which can damage your reputation even though it's actually their kit that's wrong again that trip that stuff that trips um over voltage devices hopefully should be passive although you have had some that have regularly operated and then they were just removed you know, um, so there yep. are there are ongoing issues, but they, but that should flag some other issues, shouldn't it? Indeed. Uh, Steve Dobson says should go back to proper install steel conduit, etc. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there, sir. Mark Holmes, who deems it a protected escape route? Sorry, I'm going back a bit here. Yep. Victorian house made into flats. Will a fire risk assessor have to be called in? Um, yes, um, a fire risk assessor, if you ask them, will give you the adequate guidance. Um, there are DFT documents available that will give you more guidance, but you need to very specifically spell out to them um, because they will ask you for the fire strategy for the building and all of the various fire engineering that's been done. If it hasn't, um, then it's part B of the building where you start at and then yeah. go to BS by 9999, but get an expert in. Yeah, I mean, it is to find the protective escape route, isn't it? Um, yeah. Let me just find it. Bom, bom, bom. If the client states their installation is tolerable from Mr. Harrison, then we do not need to do the risk assessment. Say a commercial installation when a client states they determine their loss is tolerable and we have quoted to fit SPDs. If they're willing to put that in writing and they understand the duty of care that you've discharged uh, under the regulations, then fine. If they just say, no, I don't want it, and you haven't told them why... Yeah, um, then there could be a comeback on you. So I guess I guess that is the key is how well you inform the client so the client has information to make a decision against. Yeah, how are you you know, and you've got to decide how you, well you can deliver that. Yeah, so the protected escape route, a route enclosed within a specified fire resisting construction, designated for escape to a place of safety in the event of an emergency. So any fire contained structure, part of that corridor passage that's contained. Would take it would take action as a fire escape for people who are in that space. No, the way I see it, or you, mm -hmm. how do you see that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty good. 
So, um, yeah, uh, you, but again, I mean, go back to the Shelley Towers example with the wiring systems that fell in the communal flats. This, again, should stop that happening if we put in non-flame propagating wiring systems or we put in higher integrity wiring systems, then there shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, and there is there is more info on the, um, as James has pointed out, on appendix in appendix, appendix 13. 13 on a protected escape route expect this to just gravitate more and more and more so if there is going to be an amendment three expect more on fire safety um you know 19th edition again more on fire safety it's there's going to be a lot of synergy yeah, i think i think um we've had we've had obviously a 10 15 years of you know the mt2 sticky back trunking that kind of um contracts being issued in that way and the regulations haven't been written in a way that stops that work and that's what's happening now, is the regulations are being adjusted to compromise anyone being able to design that way now. And so if you were to go to a, a, store, you know, a block of flats that had old MI in the, in the concrete that's broken down and needs a rewire, you can't now just go in and whack some sticky trunking up. We've got to obviously look at the regulations, how they're written now, and they're, writing, they're being written now to kind of fix how they've been written before. Uh, yeah, Richard, if you look at if Richard's saying about back on wire and corridor, it's only possible to go through the corridor to other rooms. Basically, the cable needs to be metal conduit, uh, pretty much, although you would get asked, why is it going through there? Um, unless it absolutely has to, you have to take additional measures, which would be metal conduit, premature collapse. Well, this goes, back to, this goes back to that 42 regulation 9999, where we look at, obviously, who is in charge of fire compartmentation in the structure. And we're going to make sure we have told them that we require breaking a, a build a fabric yep. that we've followed all of their processes to obviously reinstate it with equal or improved degree or they may even have a third party do that we may break yep. it they may, they may then seal it but we obviously can't just go making holes and assume that there's no other compromise and don't be surprised if when you ask for say fire compartmentation registers you get a blank face mm -hmm. um some contractors may see it as an opportunity to employ a fire guy who can actually develop these for them and they offer it as a service didn't Dan, didn't Dan do some training on that, didn't he? No, oh, Dan did some stuff on it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he had to look into your hands off of him. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's, the, that's the point. It's, it's, if we break a building fabric, we've got to make sure. And it's, that's in uh, 537 uh, or 539, about proximity of the wiring systems and stuff. It's in yeah. there as well. Um, you know, 710 mil square, if we have internal space in our wiring system passing through, it's already in there, but this is coming to protection as well. Yeah. Um, Okay, okay, let's move forward. Um, oh, this was the end of this one about the notes. So this is indirect lightning strokes. I noticed a comment. There was a comment on this saying, oh, they've used the wrong word. They've done strokes instead of strikes. Someone says this should be lightning strikes. Um, nope. We're talking here about strokes. Yeah, um, so the after effect. Gonna, so that, this is written well. Um, we just, I just, well, I'm going to comment and disagree with the risk assessment part still. Yeah. Move on to part five. <laughs> The Perit Inspection Testing Label. So this is what we've had, this need yep. for this label to be installed with the wording. And then what we've got is the potential here not to be applied for domestic if the fixing of the notice is not really practicable. For example, if there's insufficient room or the location of the notice is deemed unlikely to be beneficial or an installation certificate complete with guidance and instruction for recipients as detailed in Appendix 6 has been issued to the person ordering the work. <sighs> Now, I can see the point of this. Um, there are manufacturers, I mean, like Schneider, their um, 
there is it the easy nine their panels they have custom lids and stuff for the boards to be aesthetically pleasing homeowners know where their board is could this information be given in a manual you know or could the information be given in another way in, than in a fairness, label on the board i'm very surprised at all the labeling companies that are on um, mm. instagram and stuff they don't create one a4 sheet that you can put in say a uh, a, a frame a click frame that you put next to the board and it and it has everything integrated yeah. it's like a i'd love to see one designed but it basically has all the warnings all the duty of care all the instructions to operate the electrical installation including the scheduler circuit details in a nice little mm. click frame next to the board that would look pretty cool but there is more information in appendix 11 yes it does appear that basically the the level of labeling because there's more labeling requirements more more, more labels it's it's now about what's what's reasonably practicable mm. and um a lot of the comments already made are basically suggesting that this is going to mean there's going to be less maintenance carried out and if we take the label away that the clients and the homeowners are going to be less informed um Eddie do, do you think, has, do you think uh, the label has that much impact um, I well, I have a labelling OCD, and I'm writing a standard just around labelling, uh, mm. because labelling. If you put my view on it, has always been if if you go to an installation and the labelling is very clear and unambiguous and gives you the right information, regardless of whether you have drawings or not, then someone's done a really good job around the installation, and it's fairly likely that my assessment will be the install will be just as good. That's on commercial industrial installations, domestic. Uh, it can be an absolute hodgepodge to be honest because some labels are 30 years old where the guy who did it was a brilliant spark it's been chopped and butchered by someone else so we're not very good at removing them but eddie said manuals don't get passed in commercial industrial never happened domestic you see my last house that was an o m that was pretty epic uh, and i actually do have in in my former house i left next to the board just a plastic uh, file thing with laminated schedules and everything in yeah so but that's me being sad so the, this is saying that the <laughs> the EICR label, yeah, other labels obviously aren't emitted from that. So do we think that that is the one label that we could emit or that should be emitted? And do you think that would result in less in, regular maintenance? In fairness, in this DPC, it's not just this label because we could have spent an hour talking about labelling. So we just left that one as an mm. example. There are other, This pretty much is referred to across multiple labelling. The, the need for surge, it's the exact same for surge as well. Um, periodic inspection, it's the exact same for that. So it's worthwhile if you're interested in labelling, you have a vested interest, what your thoughts are. I personally think it may be we take it high level and just say the installation must have suitable and sufficient warning labels notices which must be updated on any alterations additions by the said contractor it should be in a format of font clear unambiguous dated do you know what i mean it doesn't have to be stuck to the board it can be near it i think that might be better and allow the contractor to update um the 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 labeling stuff just yeah. a view don't shoot <laughs> i'm just looking now actually yeah yeah, would we be handing um, an O&M manual? It doesn't mention it. It doesn't mention it with five one four nine. Your certificate good. does form part technically of any O&M manual, anyway. Yeah. Um, Eddie said SPD should have a contact and audible alarm. I totally agree with you. 
Um, da, 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 Sam Cook. My worry would be the skill set and ongoing teaching electricians coming through. I was lucky I was mentored within a family company which didn't install twin enough till 1967. Wow. In site sheds for Egham Airfield Temporaries, my concern, mainly housing associations, employ a maintenance company who can send a chippy to make a safe, a broken socket one day and a plumber to fix. Yeah, this multi-skilled um thing that's come out now where you can do a multi-skilled nvq is is a worry to trades uh, would love to get back to older practices but would require a large amount of destruction to clients expectations would also like to see charge hands coming around checking out on works which have been done i really like sam cook can i just say now because <laughs> sam you need to come and work on my railway because i am old school and i'm going back to the good old days ip washers everything clerker works the lot yeah and your, your, your mushroom head screws and all that Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. None yeah, of that yeah. counter sometimes. Panage group. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It's this, this, this emission is on the RCD one, the EICR one, and the color two colors. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think dual that's... colors can die a death. To be honest with you, it's been long enough. Yeah, I think that can. That's from 2004 time-ish, I think, around there. But I think it does create a bit of confusion. I'm gonna put a comment on that. Yeah. But, um, Fair enough. I'm gonna I... comment on that as well, actually. I, I, I'm, I'm in favour of the idea of us having a manual. Um, with the warning, but we need to obviously kind of push that across so that customers receive it and understand the blooming thing. Um, right, okay, let's move forward. RCD types. The existing rig. Yeah, so this is the existing one where we have the consideration of unwanted tripping, division of installation, 314, the mm -hmm. 30%, okay, uh, time delayed, which isn't gonna help if you need the RCD for um, additional protection, coordination, yeah, or SPDs, and then they've squeezed in this one here, which is more RCBOs for individual final circuits and domestic installations. See also 314, which is division of installation. So the idea here is to help unwanted tripping is to get rid of the 70th edition split board and go with a new idea of a RCBO throughout. Um, a couple of interesting comments I saw were saying that the designer already has this freedom for division of installation. And this isn't necessary because a designer has that choice that they can make in 314. And they don't need this regulation to be here for them to actually have that. And this is, again, this is a consideration. Um, so what do you think? Do you think that this is, you know? Um, I, I, well, okay, so uh, yeah, no. Um, the designer does a lot of the times the designer doesn't have that consideration because the designer is trying to win the job if you go into the domestic world the designer is the installation electrician so who, do you think having that addition there which is a consideration would actually then give the designer more yes that that push. is more weight to the eventual removal of split load boards Mm -hmm. in, my, in my personal opinion that that to me is a good thing i think that's a very good line and i and to be honest with you I, it's slightly embarrassing it's in there because if you look at part one and part three you kind of should be able to work that out to a certain extent or make a reasonable judgment i think um, that's the point i think that one and three combined result in this as the answer but actually no do you know what you know. i'm going to take that back because the reason blokes can't 
or electricians can't is because we don't have enough information on leakage currents in the rigs um, as i've said before there needs to be more information on leakage currents from the available standards of products so electricians can make more informed i mean there's the was it iec technical report 62350 which talks about rcd configuration selectivity how we do that but also this 30 percent rule how do we define and figure out um the leakage of these products but well, there is standards for them um schneider are actually probably the best list of leakage you can get at the moment and we haven't got twenty thousand pound to pay out for at the moment the rest yeah. of the standards, and that's, but it should be an appendix that's a pretty good list um it's a great list but again for the electrician that's going to install a circuit they now need to know the types of equipment that's going to be done or do we have a bit like diversity an assumption that there will be a washing machine a tumble and you know if we were to put something in before someone moves in or before we actually provide it for a tent, we make some assumptions on equipment types and leakage types to then break it down. Um, it's not quite conclusive with, with these requirements. All we're going to do here with Amendment 2, though, is say, right, does the recommendation of more RCBOs help? I think, I think, I think the designers have to stream already, but it doesn't do any harm. My comment on that, Dave, if you don't mind me saying, would be um, the, the current regulation uh, it says this. You've now proposed the use of RCBOs for individual circuits. Mm -hmm. um, I would suggest that they they reword it to say the use of RCBOs for individual final circuits in domestic installations. See also section 314 and appendix, I don't know, yeah. 18. It's, it's a bit strange. Why, why put more information on it? We've got here subdivision of circuits with individual associated RCDs. So why do we need the warrant of the domestic is, being RCBO? <coughs> this is phasing out slowly. We, we heard on, a, I think it was an NIC um, talk the other day, that, that they mentioned that manufacturers have pretty much stopped making AC-type RCDs for the UK, which means they've got thousands of them sat on shelves. Mm -hmm. So this is about phasing out products. And then some poor Joe comes along and says, oh, it's A-type AC against the current regs. Recommend a replacement there. It's, mm. it's, it's more economic than it is. Maybe this is... Maybe this is also to get rid of a shit pile of AC RCBOs that they've got. Exactly what it may be for. <laughs> um, all right, let me see. Is there any comments on this? Uh, Sean says it's almost impossible to design many installations to factor in earth leakage of connected equipment. It it kind of looks like we need some kind of guidance or some kind of um, template for an installation that we're not going to know the specifics. And again, the specifics are great, but look all about the life of the installation. If a client says, my washing machine is this, or my whatever is this, and I can find out that, that equipment has X amount of leakage current, well, the standards, the 63050 standards might say, oh, that can go up to 5 milliamp. You know, so if I go, well, it's only a 2.5 milliamp, if they can then replace that next year for one that's at 5 milliamp and is still within its product standard, my design may not like that. So do we now just go with the assumptions of worst cases to those requirements and not the specifics of what they have in the home? You know, so just for everyone um, listening, if you want to understand more about the actual product standards, there's a suite of standards called IEC 60335. Um, and then it starts at dash two and it will go from one up to, well, over a hundred odd. Yeah, I mean, so each product has its own. The best thing you can do for now with this is if you Google um, Schneider Guide, to, is it Earthing Systems or RCDs? It's the RCD RCDs. Guide. It's the RCD Guide, yeah. The 2020 RCD Guide Schneider 
Yeah, you find a little picture of a, a, a of a, a woman and something, um, and in there you go through all the different types of RSTs, and there's a table that gives a very good um, list. There's good twenty or so um, equipment types on there, um, and it, it you know gives you an understanding of where this is going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay. So, what's our conclusion with this one, Paul? Are you going to comment on that? Or you I that? personally would make a recommendation. I'm just trying to find the the reference um, to the actual standard that deals with this leakage and subdivision installation. It's buried on our Instagram page. It's quite handy, but it's a nightmare trying to find stuff at times. Aaron's well, yeah, there is. I would ask them to put an append, a new appendix. I'd recommend a new appendices that gives more information on earth leakage. I think it's inevitable it will come, but when I don't know. Yeah, Aaron's put a link in the chat. I think I'm going to assume that that's it. it's a Schneider link. So thanks for that. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the types of RCD. We went on a journey. Well, you went on a journey many years ago. I've been on a journey with seven nine oh nine about the the um, problems of ACR CDs, and we've seen the proposal in this amendment that ACR CDs, the line that has general purpose only type AC may be used or ac may be used for general has now been reworded to a we knew that was going to happen it's frustrating that it happened this late because we're you know this isn't coming in for two years or so um that's fine we knew that what about this this type acrc shall only be used to serve fixed equipment if it's known that the load contains no dc components it's a death knell of RCDs, a uh, type AC. There's, there's, I mean, there's going to be a point. Notice. Yeah, there's going to be a point where they'll, you won't be able to buy an ACR CD. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is, is this, it's a bit of a cop-out to honest with you, because if you're having your NIC area engineer or NAPIT engineer come around and do an inspection and you fit a split-load ACR board, it'll just sit there and go, well, what about 53133? Um, there's a component there. You know it can, produces DC. There's quite a high level of leakage coming out of it. Um, why have you fitted AC type? And then yeah. what do they do? They just sit there and go, oh, uh, I, I didn't know. I, 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 yeah, I personally, I think they should just say, for general purposes, only type A may be used or shall be used. Mm -hmm. um, a type AC, I, I would rather them just rewrite type AC, sh should not be used go, going forward. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They don't have any future, they're not future proof, so they're not suitable for a life. They won't change it, but I, I would still put that narrative in, because it's clear and unambiguous then. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, okay. Um, let's move forward from that one. All right, I've added this one because. We've had discussions about the 7288 RCD sockets. I'll get my coat. All right. Um, now, we mentioned earlier on that some comments may be made on regulations that aren't proposed to change. And we've discuss had discussed about 7288 RCDs. And some people come in and say, yes, but the wording of the standard 72288 is wrong. Do some research, do a little re reading up on this, and you'll find that, yes, there is an issue with the way it's written in 7288, which means it doesn't appear in 7671. They have made comments on the fact that it's supposed to be in 7671, but it can't be with the way it's written. The ECA on the site right now have made comments to say that this should come in, that they see that 7288 RCD, SRCDs are fine. Um, so... If you feel that that's the case, then add that comment. If you think that S, you know, seven two eight eight SRCDs should be in here, um, I'm not. I'm not going to make that comment. 
um, until 7288 is rewritten. Yeah. Um, to me, 7288 would need to be rewritten before that comes in. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, let me just actually see what one of the comments <laughs> is written here. Uh, the comment says... I mean, there's only actually four comments to be honest with this, and I think uh, it's the you know it's the ECA plus plus a couple. Uh, you can tell when the comments are ECA because they put ECA in them. Um, but yeah, so they're they're pretty much you know they're saying that the way it's written needs to change. Uh, actually, let me just blow this up. I need banning, uh, according to Martin Thomas. <laughs> So, They've sold millions of them. That's the that's the yeah. bad thing. Um, so this, this is the ECA comment. There's no reference to BS seven two eight eight sockets and fuse connection units incorporating RCDs. ECA is aware that there are some disparities in the wording in BS seven two eight eight. However, ECA feel that this should be corrected, and the installation electrical installers should have confidence to install these products, knowing that they offer suitable additional protection. The way 7288 is written, they do not offer suitable additional protection. So the ECA is saying it's written badly and that we should ignore the way it's written in 7288. That creates a dangerous area for me if I'm obviously then going to have a 7288 standard introduced in 7671. And if I go to that standard, it says something that disagrees with 7671. The, the biggest problem for me is, is I think this comes down to purely 7288 hasn't been updated. When you start looking at the volume of standards, um, there's no real synergy because when one gets updated the other one may take four or five years to get updated only if they realize yeah, and but when you start researching it you do find massive gaps across standards and contradictions in terms but the, the but the question here then is is it okay for us to just assume something of a standard because that's what the eca are doing here they're saying oh there are disparities and it's not written properly so let's just throw it into the 761. What that sounds like to me is the ECA are doing a, uh, a service piece of engineer. Well, no, more of a piece of engineering judgment based on the fact that if that socket outlet provides a type A form of RCD protection, it is suitable for that. It may not provide the adequate isolation and segregation via the contacts uh, in accordance with current standards, mm. but it still affords a level of additional or supplementary protection. So it's better to have it than not have it in some scenarios. I think that's what they're trying to say. That's what they're trying to get to, but obviously 7288 needs to be redone. I mean, 7288 was updated, I think, 2016 time or 15 time. Um, yeah. And maybe when they looked at it, they just didn't look at it in depth. They didn't really consider the problem they've got right now. So I, I missed a controversy because I personally, uh, I don't see a problem in fitting one of these devices if there is no RCD on the circuit and I'm replacing a damaged socket, for yep. instance. I know that's heresy to some people, and please forgive me, but I'm just trying to weigh up the balance of cost and reasonably practicable and provision of some form of protection. Um, as as long as better. you record that that doesn't achieve additional protection as defined in 7671. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all you I don't doing. think they should be in schools or anything, though. I think if you've got schools, it should all be in the board protecting every part of the installation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So yeah, do so. And one uh, one of the things I was going to say earlier on, and I've just remembered it. Well, biggest frustration here is this adjustment. This um, this this seven six this seven six seven one draft has no markers of changes or of anything new. So it's very hard to navigate the changes. Um, so 
do go through every single regulation <laughs> to see the changes. Um, but this one isn't a change, but you can see comments. So go through and see what comments were made and see if they flagged something or they've pointed something out that's quite interesting. Read other comments and see what you think. Okay, you know, and if you agree with them, then write your own to, mm. to strengthen the comment. Just don't, don't just assume that their comment covers you as well. Don't do that. I right. would like to see some a bit more harmonization done on RCD devices across the board. I think, yeah, I think... Um, we never had to deal with 62423 um, RCD, so now we're going to get certificates potentially with 62... Somebody bought a coffee maker, didn't they? And, it, and in the manufacturing instruction, it required a Type F yeah. uh, RCD. Hello, plug that into your kitchen. Great, that's, uh, that's 500 quid and a dedicated yeah. socket that's like a thousand pounds just to own a coffee machine in a house it does seem that i mean you'd, you'd assume that the actual product standard that they're manufactured to would, would try to push some level of harmonization with the with the protective devices available yeah you'd assume must, must be good coffee must be good. Tell me about it. well i All don't right. drink it so <laughs> okay um paul foundation earthing it's my favourite photo of all time. I took that donkeys ago. Yeah. Um, so Foundation Earthing, if anybody's listened to our new podcast today, we came up with an alternative to Rods, um, which is on YouTube and everything. And it's worth watching the YouTube one because it's got videos and explaining. Um, but basically, yeah, this is a whole new uh, bit of the regulations where we know, we've known this was coming anyway from the 18th kind of draft of public comment because that was worded differently where they talked about having a rod. And if I'm in, I can't put a rod if I'm in a flat or I'm in the London. And now this is this is given a little bit more clarity and we can see where it's going with prosumerism. Uh, for new premises constructed upon foundation, each building in which there is an installation using the protective measure of ads shall be provided on the following and effectively it's concrete embedded foundation earth electrode soil embedded ring electrode an equivalent earth electrode such as afforded by the metalwork of a steel frame building um i would actually add to that um uh the uh, what we saw uh, um potentially uh, some of the conjure discs and conjurecrete systems if they can provide suitable and adequate um earthing a value of uh, resistance to earth not exceeding 20 ohms uh, i think 20 ohms is a little bit high considering mm -hmm. if you are a prosumer you'd want that as low as practicable again um, we, we've seen with our work with um earthing services that there are solutions beyond just the electrode to improve earthing electrodes yeah yeah no so it does seem like a high high number for you to be technically islanding yourself and i think it's fair to say that um we've done like four hours on just uk earthing and bonding and we've got yeah. done an hour this morning next wednesday is the last one but there's lots of alternatives out there which could be of value in terms of time saving and safety uh, of the installation and what we've seen so far is these perform better than rods and the mm -hmm. solutions they've got uh, enable us to have a better impact as far as achieving a lower impedance and a longer life for the earthing system so um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make a, just a couple of comments um because it's fairly evident there's technology out there that this doesn't really afford this is more traditional steel steel in the ground or steel in the soil or something it's i think i think there are alternatives so i'm gonna i'm gonna make a comment that basically says can we please have or an equivalent because uh, it says an equivalent earth electrode such as that afforded by metalwork so maybe 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 we just we can say that would be uh, other products other technology because i could interpret number three as the conju uh the conju disc yeah equivalent earth electrode yeah 
suitable number of um 20 ohms i wouldn't i wouldn't agree with i'd like to know i'd like them to explain where we're getting 20 ohms from um but the rest of it i don't really have any major issue to be honest with you um i think the use of the discs help with the distances of rods and i know there's been a lot of debate on social media as well well on the chat rooms and stuff about trying to keep two meters away from pmes and stuff i once worked with somebody who said to me once it's in the ground you can never segregate earth from earth simple don't even try yeah. um and that has always stuck with me to be honest with you okay a couple of questions then um uh, who who monitors how the foundations everything is done normally the contractor Indeed. not even elected at the point of install so this is a question i mean often Very the foundation point, is Eddie. down and a building structure is starting to be built before the contract is even given the job valid point and eddie's comment is is bang on because it's um you could end up with the uh, if it's a developer you can end up with the architect or the developer going to somebody getting a generic detailing and then getting their laborers to chuck it all in with something sticking out the ground in a bit of um ducting and and then the foreman going there you are sparky there's your earth and you're like well hang on a minute yeah am i taking responsibility for this how, how have i inspected and tested this how have i verified it so it's a good question um I, I personally am a big fan of the electrical contractor taking ownership and control of anything that goes into the ground and the connections of. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Chris has said with conductor currents in normal operation, would electrolysis be a concern? I assume you're talking about conductor currents in the ground, jumping from metalwork to metalwork. Oh, um, again, depends on your electric type, I guess. That's more concern. Watch, watch today's watch podcast today's... for answers to that. We had a lot of discussion about the the potential issues of using copper electrodes, and that was in today's podcast. Um, but you're right, and it's the right it's the currents in the ground we've got to really start thinking about. Most definitely. Um, yeah. And there's got more pictures on those. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, Eddie. I've just seen your comment now um, earlier on. Just basically, it was the way seven two eight eight has a couple of parts in there that says. This device provides protection against, I think it's uh, additional protection is um, direct contact only, not indirect. And it also states that it must be, so, you know, it, it, it can be installed by um, instructed school persons. It doesn't achieve isolation. The isolation is achieved by the plug. Another thing it said that the actual additional protection must be provided by the circuit upstream. It doesn't achieve additional protection totally. It needs to be provided upstream. Um, that's basically a little snapshot of the, the, the bits that it says that questions if using the socket outlet itself achieves additional protection to 415.1, which is the problem because it's there are a couple of things it says in there that questions that, and that creates the problem. And they need to fix that, really. <laughs> then, it can, then it can come in here nicely. Um, Leakage currents. <clears throat> Leakage currents. Now, um, something we've actually not mentioned, and we haven't even got a slide on that, which we should have mentioned, Paul, really, is back in part four, the RCDs for socket outlets that could be emitted if we had the risk assessment in the non-dwelling yes. environment has been retracted. Yeah, good point. So first of all, that one. Do we think that just having no ability to emit an RCD from a socket outlet 
is okay. Well, it, it kind of makes it, uh, it, for me, it's a mute point because there are certain things I won't have an RCD on because, again, thinking of the use of the installation, the impact to operations, the impact to revenue, you don't want necessarily RCDs tripping out where there is control over the installation. Um, again, I think this has been more driven towards the domestic market. I don't necessarily disagree because if electricians can leave houses safer, great. Right. Um, the, the challenges, and again, this is... <laughs> I could see why they've deleted this. So this this comment on the screen is about the the 10 milliamp um, yeah. and the sizing and conducts and all that. It was deleted because we're RCDing everything. But yes. then, then that introduces more consideration for the 10% the rule, the 9 milliamps, um, and the use of RCBOs. So get rid of one, introduce another. And all we're doing is slowly going on a journey of sub subdivision of the installations throughout the rigs. That's all we've been doing since the 17th. Yeah. So obviously, as Paul just said, right, this regulation has been deleted because this regulation was about the need to consider if equipment has a protective conductor exceeds three and a half milliamp up to 10 milliamp, that we need to be permanently fixed. Okay, which means if it was a plug, we'd have to permanently fix it. But that doesn't matter now because we have to have RCDs on those plugs because the risk assessment has been removed and that RCD can only go up to nine milliamp. So by default, this, this requirement... Um, has, has kind of gone so i mean for you paul who obviously runs all your stations and stuff if you were to have a rewire of a station and then every single 13 ounce socket outlet had to have an rcd is that easy to work around could you just install different um you know different methods yeah, of, lockable of, of sockets. sockets and stuff lockable sockets yeah authorize just put an authorization procedure in for lockable sockets different color sockets for it equipment only to be touched by authorized persons um, yeah, very much so. At the end of the day, you don't want computers that are generating revenue tripping out. Mm -hmm. um, an RCD at the end of the day, there shouldn't be any need to, or the leakage current should most certainly. And we know IT equipment generates a hell of a lot of leakage. It does. Uh, and the more you plug in, um, if you don't have that subdivision of installation, it can cause problems. It can cause spurious problems, and this this is this is so, an issue. So yeah. So here's, I mean, Eddie's got an example here. Would you have an RCD on oh, a life support machine which you've got in your own house to keep you alive? Nope. Oh. So you wouldn't have that on a plug and socket arrangement then? Nope. So, okay. So the question... Life support <laughs> machine, no. I would, uh, that'd be a dedicated circuit. I wouldn't have it on an RCD. Um, to be honest with you, if I needed to, I'd take the RCD protection off completely. Life support machine is far more important than a sodding RCD. Yeah. I think the question really here is we need to look at the different accessory types that are not just standard 13 amp sockets that are selectable for dedicated equipment types. And therefore, it's an, interest, it's an interesting debate though Eddie raises if you go into a pensioner's home and you're having to do modifications and, and for instance they've got a dialysis machine um, my, they've got my, one ring for the whole house my mum's got a nebulizer she needs it uh, two or three days a week to, to live to get through her, her tightness of breath and she'll have an asthma attack and something like that I wouldn't want tripping an RCD out no you don't not at all. Uh, but a lot of people would have those types of equipment at home But so do we have to start thinking about having circuits that have other methods of utilization that don't have an RCD but are not available for all the other appliances. No, I don't. I don't think um, if, you, if you're selecting and erecting it and you know that beforehand, mm. then yes. But you will again select and erect installation suitable for its intended use. Um, if it's uh, uh, Mrs. Jones' house and she's on a nebulizer, etc., that's an alteration addition. That's where you have to consider the use, consider the alterations, the need for protection, the need for life. 
mm. at the end of the day fundamental principles life property life is is more important if there's something that runs on energy that you don't want to trip because you don't have the relevant knowledge you then balance the risk and if the customer says i'll accept that socket is non-rcd or or can you just please take the downstairs off rcd then you 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 follow your duty of care <clears throat> you write up your risk assessment you inform you say very clearly be careful with this please bring me back to reinstate rcd protection you do what's reasonably practicable mm-hmm. um yeah so i mean we don't really have any problems with these regulations because they can be designed around can't they these changes so yeah you wouldn't comment on that um, not really, no, to be honest with you. The one thing, just if anyone's looking for more information, um, IEC 62350, um, it has the formula for working out leakage of a circuit, which is the sum of connected appliances times 0.75 to derate it. And if anybody wonders, just off the top of the head, well, you can get it in Schneider, but a PC laptop, leakage current, one to two milliamps, printer, 0.5 to one, mobiles, point up to 0.75, and other appliances, less than three and a half milliamp. Although we know, Mm. Cookers and showers can be 10 milliamp. Indeed. For dedicated circuits. Didn't, so, didn't worth we, researching. Didn't we do an example of that formula in the in the, in the webinar or podcast webinar? That we yes, did? and I've got a screenshot of it on my phone, which you can't see. But, yeah, yeah. it's it's there's All an right. example. There's tables. It's on our Instagram. All right. So if you want a bit yeah, more about that, we need to go to the um, go to the webinar that we did and then jump forward to this regulation, and then there's an example of that there. There is. There, is, there were slides, yes. Yeah. We're trying to keep this one short tonight because uh, we're trying to cover the whole thing. Well, Sean's on there, so let's let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, Martin says, surely it's down to us as installers to ask the questions of the intended use of the installation. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. You t- again, um, I, amount of times I talk about uh, train in training or design, I talk about the utilization. Uh, a lot of people don't understand, you know, what that actually means from a perspective of, oh, you know, domestic or commercial or industrial. There's so much more to utilization than that. And this is an example of this. You know, we need to understand how the client intends to use the system. And and so it adds to what we're saying this is to a lot of people who were trained many years ago this may be perceived as getting more complex more technical i don't think it is i think it's just there's more there's more synergy with standards and technology that's emerging so it's inevitable it's going to get it's going to come across as different to us but i think i think i think one of the key things that's going to struggle would be books like this that try to keep things as simple as they can yeah they try to simplify design when even in the home design's going to have to get a little bit more um more dedicated than just using standard tables or standard templates of design um so yeah this is why i can see electricians specializing with manufacturers and in areas of our industry i can see that coming if not well it's already (laughs) here isn't it i agree oh sean says we're lucky his keyboard broke he's struggling on his laptop yeah so oh that's uh, we are lucky okay um move on part six this is an existing reg and the note's been deleted no it's been deleted which is ah yes right the 40 milliseconds this this one, I had a discussion with this just the other night with you and John. Um, so this talks about the need of effective checking of the RCD. But there's a suggestion that the note that tells us about 40 milliseconds at 5i delta N, 5 times 40 milliseconds has been taken out. Which it has of the schedule of test results as well. Yeah. So my concern is it's not been moved anywhere. Now, obviously, in the 17th edition, it was in 415.1 as a note. It then disappeared and it moved to here. 
as a note. But now it's moved, and we can't find it anywhere in the proposed, let me know if you've seen it, um, amendment. So if we now take away the wording of times 5, 40 milliseconds, does that mean that in a few years' time, some manufacturers might start to adjust the way they test RCDs and come up with an alternative? Let's not, remember, let's not forget that we had last year the 250 milliamp problem with one manufacturer deciding to go to, was it 61008? Yeah, 61008. On one, one of their of the alternative tables. test methods. Yeah, it has one reference to 250 milliamp in the entire standard and a little star that says refer to manufacturers. Yeah. That, in my professional opinion, is not sufficient to then turn and say, well, you can test these at 250 milliamp. Where is your due diligence? Where is your transparency? Where's the information for the installer to understand that? Yeah. Um, and so for me, for a training perspective, you try to have consistency among everything and every device. Don't move the goalposts. This, 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 this creates a question that they may play with additional protection later on. Uh, and it would be nice to keep it at 40 milliseconds times five unless there's a reason not to. There's no reason yep. to remove this. So that's a comment I will be adding. Okie dokie. Um, we've got a couple of snapshots of the model forms. Yeah, um, this is more just to just, spin just, around just to show just, people what's Yeah, changing. just to show, um, you know, just basically Very a bit, minor of, stuff. bit of, of housekeeping, really. But, but you might want to comment on the risk assessment being removed um, because the risk assessment, obviously, in 41133, um, they've Socks. removed the exemption risk assessment, which I think is very poor. I, I, I agree with maybe a dwelling, but not for commercial industrial. Um, but, yeah, yeah. That's, you might so want to comment is, on that. Well, this is the RCDs. And so because yep. obviously the RCD is no longer being risk assessed, they've um, taken that out. I still, yeah. I mean, I should have the ability to have control over our installations. Well, this is why I, I would say work from the regs. So yes. you can always add a departure yes. and combine it with a risk assessment. Exactly. So you can still right. bypass it. So yeah. it kind of makes this pointless, but Doesn't it would be good if they had a common approach. Okay. Nothing going on there. Nope. Um, External earth fault loop impedance to earth fault loop impedance. Yeah, because it may not be external. It may be underneath you. Yeah, so that's good. We've got here, extra connect to passes, Paul, RCD type. So, okay, yeah, so we now need to obviously start recording the type of RCD, type A, type A. That's C, a good, good change. Good change. Important to keep track of that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this just is a, a simplified box, schedule. Yeah. Again, this doesn't make the job easier or quicker. It's just more holistic. Yeah, trying um, to keep the paperwork easier. Can I also add that we're doing a webinar on schedule of items inspected next year. Won't be this year because it's, it's quite a long one. Um, and we will not be doing this format. It will be to the the current one, which is, there's a lot in it. So, yeah. 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 So we're going to go for every single observation just to kind of, God, just chew on it really. Okay. Um, and the EICR dwellings. Lovely. Um, 7671, okay, that's fine. Okay, uh, the following reasons. Yeah, yeah tell us so, why. This why? just comes down to the silliness of Guidance Note 3 and everyone going, it's five years or three years. Uh, Table. Without, yeah. Give us a reason. The wiring is old and shot, so because yeah. of it, I don't recommend five years. I recommend every year until this is rewired. Exactly. A table of frequencies is never a reason. Well, they've done that with the fifth edition code of pat they've obviously pulled the frequencies out of there we need to get down that avenue with this we need to obviously be able to take responsibilities for our decisions but if i have a, if i have a report and it says three years and i know that the table recommendation is five years i want to know the reasons that the previous inspector made so i can then obviously 
go, you know, work with those. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, same thing, Earth Thought here. RSD type there. It's good. It's, it's nice that they're not doing a complete rewrite, rewrite of all of this. Observations, recommendations. Minor work has had some significant changes. Um, yeah, I quite like this. Yeah, any, like any departures as amended. Risk assessment's been retracted. And then we've got here RCD. We've got the EN number, so 61008, 61009, 7288. Uh, type rating and the delta N. AFDD has been added. That's just going to be 62606. Yeah, I know. I don't know why they just so, didn't put it in. There's, there's no other type that I know of. I mean, it's... Well, six... is, that a, is that a tease for there is another type and the three-phase <laughs> one will be under a different standard number? I don't know. But, I mean, obviously, my FDD has 62606 and 61009 on there, but that's obviously yes. two different devices. Yes. So that, that is a bit frustri- uh, confusing. Um, but here we go. Installation, we've got the test voltage added. Uh, actually, do you know what, Dave? It may be because you can have... You can get modules, 62606 modules, that bolt into 61008 RCDs. So would that make my AFDD a 61008 slash 62606? Yes, it would. Would I fit that in there? <laughs> no. Right. Well, okay. you, you can. You can write both because it is technically both because you get the module right. to bolt on. But in the UK, that's an EU thing. In the UK, I think we're just going for AFDD RCBO combined because it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, ask the operation. Just a confirmation there. Insulation resistance test voltage, which is good. Mm-hmm. And the satisfactory button there. Not all F- AFDs have a test button. Yeah, that's in relation to the separate modules. Separate modules that go on to yeah. the actual RC- RCDs themselves. Okay. Test results. Yeah, that's Just a, a bit of housekeeping there. RCD type is added. I delta N rating. Um, polarity. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would add a comment. I still think that we should be putting the end of the final circuit, short circuit reading in this. Yes. To ensure that we have sufficient current for that. I think, I mean, again, you say that there's no times one times half here. So that is, yeah, that is concern. Uh, manual AFDD test. I don't like that because not every circuit needs an AFDD. So that's just a bit of... Well, it's functional, isn't it? It's yeah, functional. It's... Pushing the button is functional. I think we should just have a functional column that includes all applicable devices, to be fair. That's a very good point. I think. Or we can just, you know, let's have a, let's have a column and we can have a column and we can just scratch out the ones that we've done. Just but in fairness, proving fun- functional testing is part of it. So prove the operation of an R- MCB, an RCD, that it physically isolates you know, this, power this, from all this takes stuff. me. This takes me to a huge problem I've had to like with two three nine one training is they'll go functional and to them that's pressing the button because that's the tick that they confirm. But as we know, we're testing functional on initial verification is every single thing's functionality. So there's often a crossover, and having a functional check does create confusion there. Amongst Chris parts. Ruddock's made a great comment, is no ramp test. I would love to see on this Sheds of Arms inspected ramp test. ramp test. I would also love to see the maximum earth leakage um, put for the circuit in the installation. I know um, Electroform um, already have it in their certificates. Yeah. You can and actually they have uh, the leakage for the installation. And they have the R1 RN, which is great as well. There you go. People working from the rigs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, we should have a, a, a check of leakage, um, or we could even have a measurement of leakage. I agree with that. Yeah. R7. This one, this one, this one um, passed. We didn't notice this at first, and then you guys picked it up on our previous uh, webinars. And we just want to know why uh, two and a half meters um, cord set lengths haven't really changed in standards. We want to know why suddenly 
half a meter closer is okay now um so i don't really have an issue but i'd like i'd like to have some kind of background as to where that's come from i can only assume there'll be a guidance note update on this that hmm. gives us the reasoning i i can only assume i think john ward made a comment on our podcast about uh, eventually watch that distance creep down to where we are in europe where they pretty much don't have much distances and that, that kind of brings me to the worry i mean yeah it's with full rcd everywhere and that's the thing we made the assumption because of the full rcd protection we were allowed to obviously lower the reach distance um i mean yeah Two and a half meters. Sean says, "Port is confusing." Eddie says, "Reach maybe." I mean, two and a half is the consideration of arms reach. Yeah, but obviously, this is the socket, and the appliance could go this way, which really does make arms reach a concern. You know, for the cord set lengths. Yeah, I think these, these regulations could be worded better. There, but there anywhere lot... where there's a basin or bowl, don't put yeah. two thirty volt sockets near it. There are a lot of questions about that, and I'm going to add a comment just to seek further clarification, just to make a change like that <clears throat> okay so 711 we've got the tn system requirements for exhibition shows and stands where we had before the need for be under supervision of skilled instructed persons fetamine diverting being confirmed before the connection is made and we've got this wall of information here now we've covered this in the podcast and we discussed this at length uh in the webinars as well about this new fad to look at these devices that do not exceed 70, uh, 70 volts for four seconds but no longer than five seconds and achieve disconnection um these devices are coming into 711 and 717 um we don't want to go into too much discussion about our opinions on these devices do we not really i mean i think there's just more i think there's more understanding needed um the one thing i'm learning and realizing more and more and that is if you have an ev charging unit and you're not putting in some form of local earth reference um then yeah the, i mean the it ev go to practice even has where you have these devices with this open uh network technology in it that you should still have on certain conditions a local earth electrode mm -hmm. um, which i don't think some installs have been done like that no but, it's uh it's 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 a concern that we've got really because of these devices that we're looking at and we're looking at a lot of these devices and they do achieve some form of protection but they also create some other form of risk yeah you know um so we are we, we, we're we're just seeking further learning before we have regulations like this thrown us as quickly yeah well we're, we're we're looking into the divided neutral current broken pen issue at the moment ev for me i'm not going to really worry too much or look into it for a few years to be honest with you because i just don't think we know enough about the networks we're connected into so start there first but that is the problem is we're relying heavily on the device but we don't really know about the integrity of the system it's being used on and we're looking at the systems not the devices right now and yep. we're finding more and more issues as we look mm -hmm. um this one was fun because this regulation 722.826 is going to be rewarded with a comment because .826 doesn't exist in the proposed document yep. so that's just um yeah so it creates some kind of confusion it's referring to a you know it's a supplementary requirement 722 of a regulation that we don't have the original part of yep. yeah so that just that just creates a problem straight off so there's clearly a cock up here at some point okay um so that's 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 why we're going to comment on that one but it is pretty much in reference to what we said about the whole um pen technology stuff that's what that's about yeah it just references forward it's the first regulation that references forward in the regs it does because it's obviously talking about part eight in part seven but okay so with part eight 
First thing we're going to mention is functional requirements, H21. This is H2. H1, energy efficiency, was in the public draft of the first 18th edition, got shelved. Appendix 17 came in, but 60364-8-81 or dash 8-1, I can't remember what the numbering is, um, carried on. And that is another standard right now. Um, so the question really here is why can't we just have all of what they require us to look into at once instead of having little sections of that? Um, now, we don't want to go through all this, Paul, do we? Um, no, this is the section that finally introduces the whole prosumer term, if yeah. you're not familiar. It's producer and consumer of energy, henceforth the new term. Again, it's lots of new definitions. I'm not really going to comment on new definitions because they're new. Yeah. They're brought in from other standards. Uh, prosumer's electrical installation, PEI. It's a new, it's a new term for that, that scenario in the picture, basically. As you can see, installations are going to be... Um, you know, flow and return, they're going to be in and out. It's generate and, and consume. So, yeah. So we've got other terms, you know, we've got the island moding, which is the idea of you being completely disconnected from the grid, but you remain energized and we've connected yeah. modes and we've got direct feeding modes and we've got reverse feeding mode, um, which is what it sounds like, you know, so you can take from the, the, the network and then you can give back to the network. Yeah. All of this is, managed with an EEMS an energy an energy efficient an electrical energy management system and some of you may be seeing this already if you're installing EV you may mm -hmm. use someone like uh, Zappi and they'll have their software and it'll show you how much power you're using and how much of that is coming from your solar how much yep. of that is coming from the grid how much of that is going onto your car how much you're you know this is this is the point um, a lot of this is already happening but now we're talking about the scalability of the entire system yeah so, this is this part eight is going to be fascinating because every single one of us are going to have to go on a whole journey understanding this better yeah and and without a doubt this is going to mean another another course to do this is definitely an update on the city and guilds because it's a large chunky document and remember this is this is part eight part 82, 82. 81 was in the 18th edition uh, draft for public comment and got removed and now it refers to it as a separate standard. So you've got to go and buy to get chapter 81. You've got to go and buy it as a separate standard, which mm -hmm. is a bit of a disappointment to be honest. And there's 83, which I think is the, is it the management of prosumer or something? Yes. Um, so there's lots more than what you already see in eight right now to come in. Um, and I agree. I agree that there's a lot more to take in and I'd rather they just kind of tried to do that all at once, but brought it in as a, new approach new qualification uh the regulations book maybe it needs to be broken down into two bits you know i mean does eight come into the fundamental principles of part one is the fundamental principles of part one staying fundamental principles i think it's fair to evident if you if you look at 60364 um part one part one um it, it has been revised and there is a lot we we've kind of predicted this before but but part one is going to need a rewrite and if you look at 60364 part one it has been rewritten to encompass yeah. this eems it's in in fact eems is referenced in part one and no doubt in the amendment three or the 19th edition depending on how long we need this to bed in because uh, anything new that comes in has to bed in be adopted 
trial and error, it improved, and then it becomes normal. Like RCDs, 20-year journey with RCDs, haven't we, really? Even though mm -hmm. they've been out longer, they've normalised in the last 20 years. So this is stuff that we're going to be on a journey with for our whole careers. But Yeah, but my concern with that, Paul, is pace. I mean, look at, for example, the government right now saying, you know, electric vehicles. Look at, we're having such a push of pace because of the, the need to comply. I mean, I think next year there's a, is it in Glasgow, um, the whole... Um, what's that cop called the the well the climate change thing is in glasgow and they want next year i, I read a letter from the sec director to um that lady you know you put on instagram that that um god i should really revise this the department for transport oh yeah yeah rachel something yeah. she did an audit and it wasn't very good was it no it was terrible yeah, the damning right. Well, I found a letter written to her by the director of SSE, and they're trying to push for the targets to be that we have a much larger infrastructure of EV charging by 2025 so that we're ready for the 2030 push. And we have all these targets pushing and pushing, and I can see this also happening with this, where it's going to be pushed aggressively, and we may find that we can't keep up. You know, and, I uh, think that's, that's this is why I'm staying away from EV because I think that there's going to be a the next uh, there's going to be a gold rush for EV installs. Well, However, the one thing that probably won't get publicised is the mop up for EV installs. <laughs> and there will be people who will build their businesses solely around going around fixing and mopping up EV uh, installs where people have got tingles off their cars or things have happened or they're not compliant. We already know from the report where they did sampling of the O-leverage to contractors, it was a large percentage that needed to go back and fix the work. Um, again, this, the report, nothing to do with us. This is a, a report that's gone out to all those installers. So, um, And also the grid and, and the various other companies that are involved with the grid, of course they want EV rolled out. Why? Because it's an opportunity to enhance and upgrade the infrastructure and take the smart benefits to understand where they need to target yeah. this. Well, this letter in particular was all about the idea of um, fleet, about them pushing all of their fleet or 300 of their fleet to be EV and they need to have the support infrastructure. And it was from SSC, obviously, who are up in Scotland as well. And they're saying, even up there, we can do that. But we want the government support to push in the infrastructure to get the charging in. It's because they want private the investment. Yeah, to meet it's a 2025 target so that by 2025, we have the electric vehicle structure. We've, saw, we've seen this one open just this week, which is, you know, 100% off you know, clean energy use, although it's connected to the grid. But let me put it so, across. If, if the know, government, if the government have this target, the money's going to be there, and it may be, be that this EV thing is an ex is a chance to massively invest heavily in the grid network and try and remove losses and have a smart grid. It's got to be done somehow. But, uh, Politically, it probably is being spun in various ways. But Sean, Sean's made a good comment. No smart grid in place to deal with, with demand, in his opinion. And this is the point, Sean. I mean, I this, this one that's just opened, um, where was it? This 100% 36 cut charging ports. You knew it. Oh, Braintree. 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 Yeah, yeah. I mean, They've got the they've got this they've got a six is it like a six um, megawatt battery or something. But fundamentally they're connected to the grid because there are periods where their demand will be too large that they can't cope with what they generate, and so they're gonna come off the grid 
for a period of time and they'll pull a lot off of the grid and so that is that grid suitable for that now they claim to be carbon neutral because there's 40 miles away or so there's a farm that every unit they take off the grid they'll put back on on the farm so they'll claim to be carbon neutral they are still dependent on that grid though um so i'm just looking for a quick search to answer a question uh there'll be uh lawrence your question there it'll be 60364-8-81 i think mate Okay. An eight two and eight three. An eight two and eight three. I was just trying to find the numbering on my phone, but Google keeps thinking I'm looking for a, a sum. Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> oh, there's a couple of good links going in here. Yeah, myths about electric vehicles and Fantastic. yeah. I mean, this is again, as, as Paul said, this is you know, money is spinning, is pushing, and so my concern is money will push this as well, because this will equal you know, meeting targets. But are we prepared? Are we competent enough? Are we supported enough by the industry? Or will the industry just push it into, you know, or maybe the industry may even retrain other people and ignore the electricians altogether to do some of this work, which is another concern. Uh, yeah, Sean said, um, if anyone's put links in, can you make sure they're to all people, not just the panelists? Good point. Thanks, Sean. Oh, yeah. Um, Eddie, <clears throat> could you put those links in for attendees as well, please? Yeah, so I mean, we didn't want to go through all of this part eight and comment on all of that. We were going to just have a discussion about part eight in general. Um, it's it's the one with the most questions because we've all got to develop yeah. and improve our knowledge on it. Um, to be honest with you, there's loads of new terms and it, and it is a bit of a headache. It's quite a large pill to swallow, to be honest with you. So, but it's the future. It's it's smart technologies. It's just yeah, it's the nature of the beast, to be honest with you. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, any questions on this? Uh, Eddie says, networks reckon we can change all domestic cars tomorrow. Grid maybe, not to house. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so good. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree because if in theory, in theory, if they changed every house, every car to a uh, EV car, you would effectively have a local grid, wouldn't you? You'd have a massive battery farm yes. nationally, which would be its own grid. Mm. Um, that's why they're probably saying that, but they wouldn't like it if everyone plugged in at the same time. This is why it needs to be smart to regulate. And I, I think this is the problem. Is we, we, we know that obviously the um, it gets rid of obviously the the combustion. Great, but if we can't produce an efficient amount for that demand and store that demand. We're going to have to take it off of the grid and the grid is going to struggle so we need to produce it quickly we need to store it quickly that's where this comes in yeah you know um we've not interestingly enough though they didn't push into this 721 and 716 you know power over ethernet and the battery storage mm. um that was interesting i'm surprised it didn't come in there because that's going to have to come in at some point because there's mention in 82 about storing but we haven't got regulations on, uh, this, but then, on those requirements. This, again, Dave, this comes down to the point where I generally think eventually at some point it would be wise. And again, it's only my personal opinion. Chapters seven and eight become a separate, separate BSM six seven one part two um, mm. to allow them to expand to give us all the information because it's getting more complex. It's getting more technical. Um, there's nothing we can do to avoid that. To be honest with you, no, and. We've only, again, that one in part seven was the only regulation that looks forward to eight. Um, and so as long as that's all that's happening, that can easily be done. This is an interesting one, though. This is one that blew my brains was when they were looking, when John was looking at this, the protection against electric shock. If you have two different earthing systems and you're switching uh -huh. 
from mode to mode, um, will you need two different devices, two levels of protection? Well, you're going to have two different uh, full characteristics, aren't you? Yes, you are. So yes, it's like it's just like you're right now working with a standby generator. You know, whenever you have an alternative supply, the final circuit now needs to have the characteristics to disconnect for ADS both. Yep. by both supplies. Yeah. Um, so that's another area. Of yeah, the, the favourite one to look at, if anybody's wondering, is, is if you ever have a UPS um, that's feeding a distribution board for, say, emergency lighting, it's worth checking to see if the inverter will generate sufficient full current to trip the breaker under fault if someone's connected to it. Um, that, that's, that was an interesting one about 15 years ago on the railways. They were producing UPSs that wouldn't trip a Type C 10 amp breaker. Pointless. Type C 10 amp. Oh, so well, yeah, 100, 100 amp. Pieces. Yeah. yeah, wouldn't even trip that. Nope. Well, it's, yeah, uh, Martin says a friend of mine's dad is involved with the world's shell development of EV installs and the stations. Now you're getting a 500 mil fund from the government. Not surprised. Not it, surprised. Not surprised. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is part eight is happening. Yeah. Stuff's getting smarter. It's technology's getting quicker. Yeah. It's becoming more consumable, disposable. We are in that golden era. And not such an era since the days when electrical installations started going into houses where they're emerging and developing into these mm. smart automated homes. Mm. Very much like you're seeing in the news now that we're in a new era for vehicles, that yeah. everyone now is at the beginning of a change and they're saying, be at the, be at the front, be the, be the trendsetter because everyone's going to have to do it. And it has, you know, mm. they're making it illegal from 2030. The same thing's happening here for electrical systems is that we have to we're having to change well i've just fitted a gas boiler brand new combi so that's going to be my last bo- my last gas boiler in my lifetime but as far as smart home i've yes i will i've allowed for an electric vehicle charging point and connection to earth um but for me i'm staying with sockets and switches yeah and as Addy has just said right and we've said this in our podcast you can either be the kind that moans about it doesn't read it doesn't pay attention to it until one day you realize you don't actually com- you're not compatible with your own industry anymore yeah, you become a dinosaur. You are. Going Don't get to me be. wrong. And and from a generational perspective, there are guys watching this, or maybe who will go. Well, I'll be gone by the time this really impacts. And that's right. We will always need to maintain and upgrade and replace what we've got. Mm-hmm. But it's fairly evident in the last ten years that I've been looking at the regs, I, I dread what the nineteenth edition is going to have in store for us. And yet, me and you kind of already know, um, got a, a, an idea. It's going to get even more complex. More. Yeah information so and that's pretty much why we're kind of saying we're going to cut, slow down with our podcast moving forward because we've got a crap load of work to do yeah you know, it's, it, it's too much they've got to be fun they've got to be of value yeah. so um, but we've got so, we've got so much work to do looking at the regulations and looking at the future to make sure that anything we do do is your value helps us all with this because yeah uh, eddie says you know you've got to move with it or you know get lost your own choice uh, yeah. my my concern is how the industry will bring us through this journey because i just i just feel that there'll be little mentions of things and then there will be insufficient support to properly my develop the competence my concern is the industry you reference to um is potentially just private for-profit companies who will direct where they want people to be Mm. rather than where they need to be yeah that's a concern yeah so okay let's push through a couple of these um Overcurrent, yeah, short set current, all said. points of the consumer electrical installation, yeah. Island moding. Discounting power due requirements switching devices. Yeah. This is all as what we just said, making sure that each each method of generation and earthing is, is suitable for 
whichever mode we use. Mm-hmm. Some mind mess. SPDs. SPDs required. That makes sense. Yeah. And then there's this one here: energy storage, inrush currents, and other compatibilities uh, capabilities when switching between modes. Yes. So we're going. I mean, there's going to be a very clever switching device here. Yes. Yeah. There'll be some sort of static switch for the domestic home, I think. Yeah. Where you can plug the DNO in and you can plug your prosumer generation stuff in and it mm-hmm. it then feeds the board that's how i'm assuming you would do it is two feeds into one box that then comes out in tails feeds your board that board is selected and erected for dc immunity and everything else and we've served yeah, makes sense um load shed, loading generators and load shedding um yes so it might it might be that we end up with systems where we switch over to our battery stored and then the systems will then adjust the way our circuits consume the power it might be that we switch over to a battery storage system and our lighting changes its levels or something um there's all sorts of clever ways that we can try to extend life if our supply changes from an imported supply to a private static supply um eddie's made a comment about we will be ditching the suppliers earth i suspect in favor of tt i I, eddie i completely agree i think i think the whole evolution of foundation electrodes is we will be and and again this islanding mode it's we know it exists in north america and canada where they've got they generate their own power supply if they lose the network and they they lose the earthing so i i generally do think we're going to have to I think it was a Canadian regulations, the latest amendment, removed the word neutral. Um, yeah. So now you've got, uh, and in theory, if you are switching the other thing, um, you are grounding all your neutral return. You're yes. not putting it back to transform, which is going and dissipating into the earth, uh, which again yeah. becomes another problem, but I expect that around the 19th edition. Yeah, sorry, that was Chris's comment. Yeah, um, I sorry. agree. Um, Apologies, needing glasses. We've done a lot of work looking at PME, and we've got a lot of, you know, the more we look at it, the more problems we're coming we're finding um and the life you know the life expiry of well is pme pme anymore is basically the way we're we're coming to or is tns tns anymore well we know tns isn't t well in my area it isn't it is right so tns isn't tns is pme but pme isn't very reliable so the the and remember pme is the protective application for the cable the supply so that it's technically tnc um, and PME is the earthing measure, and that's down to whether or not the DNO have maintained and installed as and when they've made the alteration. Um, that's so what you probably interesting debate. Yeah, so you probably have a load of TNS systems that are TNC uh, systems that are not PME. <laughs> yeah, they're more, more than likely PNB, PNB. to be honest with you. Um, yeah. But we know that because I've seen, I've actually watched my TNS systems be converted to uh, PME um, without them actually informing me in any way, shape, and form of them, me asking loads of questions about their own standards. Yeah. Um, which was fun. Okie dokie. Right, um, vehicle charging, both uh, a load and storage device not permanently connected should be managed by the uh, energy management system. Yeah, Sam yeah. Cook's nailed it. The speed it will travel, the companies will undertake changes are of a concern. If you don't move it, you get left behind. Doesn't mean you have to enjoy or agree with all of it, though. Sam, I am so with you on this. I'm, I personally, I think we could do this better in phased approaches. But again, that would need I, the manufacturers to be told, just hold on a minute. Yeah, my problem is this. I think that it can be that we have... I, I think it can be a very exciting new way of designing systems, working with systems, installing systems, but I worry about the way it's delivered, the way it's handed over, or the way it's guided. Um, 
and I, I get the feeling it'll just be rushed and it'll be um you know, we have a lot of people doing installs or doing things that won't know enough detail about why they're doing it and a lot will just detach detach from the regulations and just follow guidance or or you know common references so that's saying, my concern. It, it will, though, be, will be fast. It will be fast. And that, uh, my concern is that speed will overrule the development of competence. Now, this is, this is the thing. Is this Chapter 8 changes the rules of the game. And this is why I think need more needs doing. Because if you look at... I'm just looking at Chapter 8 now on the DPC. Magnitude of overcurrent, 826121. Bear with me here. Overload and short circuit current shall be determined at every point of the presumed electrical installation where a device shall be installed. Is that in the schedule of items inspected? <laughs> no, so no, it's not. Again, a lot of people just think do the minimum. There you go. There's a comment eight two six one two one. If they're going to introduce it, they need to amend the certificate. I've just found that right now. There you go. There's a comment for everyone. Eight two six one two one. one magnitude of overcurrent. Yeah. If we're doing that, we need someone to record it. The certificate doesn't reflect the requirements of Chapter Eight. No, the certificate doesn't, and so there should be extra certification for this chapter. Absolutely, and that should Definitely. be in the DPC. Otherwise, this <laughs> this technically shouldn't be in there. Then, yeah, we we we, we can agree to this, but we don't know how it's going to be recorded or controlled. Indeed. Kidoki, um, uh, selectivity. Yeah, downstream devices operates. Upstream devices does not. So we've got to look at selective selective grounds. Bear in mind, how it goes both ways here. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> selectivity when power goes both ways comes uh, more fun here upstream or downstream depending on the mode there you go uh, testing and verification loop impedance test instruments may not work properly with inverters alternative methods of determining loop impedance and fault current does that just mean calculate yeah, that scares me you know uh, yeah and that's that's again that's the problem that, that would just be calculation a simple example some generic examples handed over and there'll be a lack of knowledge here so in my opinion inverters um and electronics should be able to withstand a few things one is a grid outage and restore to a point of normal operation without the need for human intervention yep. and two they should be able to withstand electrical installation fault current testing otherwise we shouldn't be installing them Mm -hmm. If they're that delicate and sensitive, why are we installing this stuff? Yeah, yeah makes sense. Yeah. That was actually the last slide, I think. Okay. Uh, let me have a look-see. Uh, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, uh, this obviously presentation was done before in a lot more depth with Paul, John, and I. You can go watch those videos on the YouTube channels. Um, we've just covered some of the areas that we think are more interesting than others. Eight, though, we... Well, there's a couple of comments that you've found, actually, which is good, um, which isn't really a, a against. It's more of a we need more information in part eight. I think if you, I, we cannot comment that part eight should just go away. No. That's not going to work. I think we'd be foolish if we did that. I think uh, part eight needs to happen. Um, yeah. Can it be improved? Can it be better? Could they potentially take – is it appendix 18? Would have got energy efficiency. Maybe that could work its way back into 17. part eight. 17, sorry. Yeah. Um, it could work its way back in. Well, that was 8.1, wasn't it? That was the, yeah. the 8.1. Uh, 
Um, but then they took some parts of 8-1 and they put it into 17. We, we really could have done with having 8-1 back so we could just go, okay, look, what is it? And let's just take it on board. Let's look at this and this and this. I would hope training providers, if they are going to do training courses on this, there needs to be at least a day or two just on the teachings of Part 8 and the appendix, associate appendix, to really allow enable guys to start getting their heads around all of this stuff because it's, it's okay for us because we're constantly researching it so slowly but surely we talk and we we develop our understanding of it but if you're by yourself and you and you're just being asked to do all this it's very overwhelming so hopefully the training sector will produce something pretty decent to help people um yeah yeah if not we just have to do more webinars <laughs> well, I, I foresee that we will be doing a lot more when it comes to this. Yeah. Area. Once we get, I mean, right now the electric vehicle industry is moving so fast. We're trying to, we're, we're not trying to keep up with it. We've let it run off, and we're not, we're not really paying too much attention to it because we've seen a couple of things, and we're not confident in how everything's worked out right now. Yeah. Uh, my concern is this can happen with this as well, as this may look at electric vehicles as ways a lot of it has been done. Um, so there is a risk that we're just going to fall behind. We need to keep up. Um, Eddie's putting a question here for 702 swimming pools. Let me just read this. Um, 702.11, scope, object, and fundamental principles. Okay, the particular requirements of this section apply to basins and swimming pools, basins of fountains and basins of panning pools, yeah. Particular requirements also apply to surrounding zones of these basins. In these areas, in normal use, the electric risk of electric shock is increased by reduction in body resistance. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. This is Eddie's question. I work in a lot of churches which have full immersion baptismal fonts for adults. You know, my brother got baptized in one of those, actually. Similar to eight-foot swimming pools. The description in scope says swimming pools and other basins, yet the zoning and other seems to exclude all other except fountains and basins above ground. I don't expect the regs to allow for all scenarios. What I expect is that they should be non-inclusive of other scenarios. That's an interesting point. Sorry, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> Churches have full immersion baptismal fonts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it, well, I shows how much I go to church. Yeah, Lots yeah. of baptism I went to. It was just a standard one where they dunked the baby's head. Baby in a bowl. Now they have. Um, I mean, my, my brother did when he was like twenty-one. Um, he, he basically he stands he stands there and they just dump him backwards and lift him up. So he oh, went really? fully under and there. Yeah. You just get the vicar to take you to the pool and just <laughs> chuck you in. And so, so, right. So his question is. Um, Basically, he doesn't. Uh, I don't expect the regs to allow for all scenarios. So you think that would be too precise? Um, what I expect is that they should be non-inclusive of other scenarios. That's a good okay. question. Yeah, That's a good question, Eddie. Um, again, I don't think I would look at the um, the fountain or the basin. I would probably be looking at what's around it and what measures I need to take. Because if I was putting these into an existing church. Um, I'm assuming they would be retrofit into an existing church. Then I would be looking at what's around it and is there any risk of touch, potential extension leads, et cetera, and what additional measures do I need to make to make an alteration addition to bring it into a level of reasonably can, practical compliance? I guess I guess the way I read it, I would read that as a basin. I would read that as a basin, or I'd have to find a way to interpret it to be a basin, then I could apply those requirements for zoning. I'm going to have a look at it, actually. It's a good you one. Know. Um, because they can't be too specific for every scenario. You're right, um, but we'd have to kind of say, right, well, that's that's close to as a, as close to a basin as we can get, or something. But yeah, it'd be nice if they kind of gave us that freedom. 
you know um chris says i remember a church near me with one and that and they had immersion eaters on floats that plugged in the sockets you're joking you're joking aren't you immersion eaters on floats <laughs> oh dear lord well well there you go it's the one place to ask for help i suppose isn't it um it's your time your time as they say uh, maybe maybe they, maybe they didn't have enough bookings for funerals. I, I don't I don't have any competence when it comes to churches. Um, I don't go into them that much. Um, me neither. I used to. I was a choir boy at one point in my life, but um, never mm-hmm. thought I'd imagine a, an adult baptism. So that's totally thrown me. <laughs> I've heard of that. Wow. Well, you can add a comment on that, Eddie, couldn't you? You can add a comment to the seven two zero one dot scope and just say, "Look, can we have a bit I more use it, but openness have been to to basins?" It's a real shame, though, Eddie said, it's, if it's not in the regs, people argue against it. But I think this this leads to the argument that there could be some narrative that says, please use this as a minimum guide, work from the regs. But it, it does actually say that, doesn't it, at the start it of it? It does. It and says, pro- use your own engineering judgment. The problem is they're too, yeah, people are too matter of fact. And go, instead of going, it's not, it doesn't say that word for word, they should actually look at what it's trying to achieve. If you look at for the objective of the book, the protections being achieved in the scenario given, you can easily relay that scenario to a number of other areas such as this one you know but if you go with matter of fact it's not there black and white which we do have to do sometimes when we start debating regulations we end up you know the regs don't work for us yeah no i don't disagree at all <clears throat> hot tubs yeah sean yeah a lot more common okay um all right so we've discussed a couple of ones that we're going to make comments on Definitely making a comment on A26121 there about the lack of documentation forms and stuff in part eight. I'm not going to do any comments on part eight specifically though, because I am ready to concede that these changes have to come in. So me putting comments to say anything about anything else is not going to get me anywhere. My, my concerns more there aren't about the regulations, aren't about the standardization. It's more about the industry itself and the way it's going to actually cope with this. And that's where my concern is. It's not with the regulations themselves. Um, I'm going to add a comment on the AFDDs. I'm going to add a comment on the over voltage device uh, wording. Probably, I'm not going to worry about the risk assessment. Can I just go back into Eddie's comment? Is yeah, well, page two at the very start of the book it says the publisher and the contributors believe the information and guidance is correct. All parties must rely on their own skill and judgment while making use of it. Um, that's not new, that's in the current one. The yeah. publisher and contributors do not assume liability, fair enough, um, because we have to work from this book. Um, it then does, though, um, which I find quite interesting, is publication does not purport to include all the necessary provisions of a contract, users are responsible, compliance with a British standard cannot confer immunity from legal obligations. So if you're arguing, you're then arguing your duty of care, your provision and use of workplace equipment, for instance, if you're in a church. Um, yeah. You know, have you proved compliance? Have you taken all reasonable steps? It's 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 a difficult one, but yeah, you have to argue with like the subtext on page two yeah. and reference that, so it's not just reg numbers. Yeah. So Eddie says um, he he he's he's had people argue it, saying it's not in the regs, but he says it to me, it's the same as a swimming pool, and that's technically you mean. Yeah, I agree with that. You've got a person, member of the public, completely immersed in water. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I had a similar scenario where I had a fountain, a fountain in my village near me. Thankfully, there's no electrical in there anymore, but a fountain near me, it's a fountain. And if you look at the fountain requirements, there's no zone two. And in the fountain requirements, there's less precautions. There's no 
there's less application of self-restriction. There's less application of equipment requirement because they consider persons won't occupy that space. And a local fountain near me, people go in there in the really warm summertime amongst all the duck shit and stuff. But now we have to consider that can be an area occupied by persons, and that is in the scope of 7671, a swimming pool, by default. So, yeah, if persons are going in there, members of the public, submerged, then I'd agree with you, Eddie, on that one. Mm -hmm. But there are people that are very matter-of-fact, and this is where your knowledge of application of BS7671, you know, is key. And if you can use 7671 accurately, uh, then, then you're fine, you know? We can't, you know, we can't use it word for word. We have to sometimes be creative or a bit. Um, we have to combine our competence or our engineering judgment with the regulations. But as long as we fall back onto safe work in compliance with seven six seven, as it falls back onto a safe system, then seven six seven one will always work for you. So yeah, go with that, mate. Um, yeah, you'll get argued. There are a lot of people that are just, you know, moan about it not being word for word in the regs. You'll get a lot of people that think they know the regs word for word. And those who do work with it word for word, great, but then they need to know how to use it. Uh, anyone who argues yeah. with me and says that's not in the regs, I say it, but it is in our duty of care. Yeah. That's um, my response. It's in our duty of care. There's a different, big difference between knowing how to... This is, again, the issue with the exam. There's a big difference between knowing how to find a regulation mm -hmm. and knowing what it's trying to do and yeah. what the objective is. Yeah? yeah. And if we, if we understand that, then we're fine with that. Yeah, it's a, it, in a day, if you, if you are a subcontractor and you're arguing with a client and they say that's not in the wiring rigs, um, one, it's your duty, your care as electrical contractor, to take all reasonable steps, and two, it's the client's duty, or again, Health and Safety at Work Act, I think it's Regulation 3, to provide a safe place of work and equipment. And if you want to argue more, go into Pure as well. Yeah, Pure. Start beating them to death with legislation. Yeah. Soon shut them up. Yeah, that's a good question, That's a nice one. Um, right. Good one, we are ready to wrap this up, guys. If there's any other questions, throw them in now into chat and let us know. Mm -hmm. All right. You've got tonight, you've got tomorrow, and we think midnight on Friday. So you've got Friday as well to put your comments down. Um, if you have any issues with doing that, send us a message and we can give you um, a little um, opinion on you know what we think of things. But these are your comments, your opinions. You, it's up to you. All right. Okay, um, you guys must be knackered. Yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> but we, you know, we uh, we kind of feel that some of this is uh, something we have to, to help and take part in. This is the this is one of the few occasions we get to actually um, question and challenge and yeah. discuss the industry and maybe influence it. So, all right, uh, all right. Everyone's just saying thank you. There's no other other questions. All right, Paul. Thank you for your time, buddy. Cheers, mate. And, um, yeah, so before we finish, two things, all right, for those guys who haven't left yet. First thing, webinar, Tuesday, fire. Second thing, little appeal, if any of you haven't oh, yeah. heard about our wonderful brother, Paul Skirm, who's not very well. We mm -hmm. are trying to raise some funds to help him get home and get back to work, and he is the man that actually steers us on the right path whenever we have any issues. We've mentioned him a couple of times in this webinar today. Uh, and we can't finish without actually just saying thank you for everyone who has already given us a very generous support trying to get him to get home and get back to work and make any changes needed for him to get back to what he does best, which is basically boss us around and tell us what we should be doing properly. Yes. <laughs> basically. Basically, um, yeah. 
we wouldn't be able to do this without him putting us back on the rails and giving us direction. And we want to get him home, get him well, get him safe. Um, and everyone who has helped so far, thank you very much. Anyone who hasn't heard about that, he's not very well. If you search any of my social media or E5, one of the first things you'll find will be a little post about him and is it just giving page that we've got going. There's a link on the, Insta on the Instagram, on the Instagram main Instagram. profile. Yeah. You click on it, just giving. And there's a small story there about his, um, his cancer. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, he's a very important man to us and he's a very important man to this industry. You know, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't really know what he, you know, who he helps because he doesn't ask for thanks. He doesn't boast about it. No, but he makes he's a, a huge, very humble Welshman. He's a very humble man and he makes a huge difference to all of us. Okay, so I just wanted to say thank you for everyone. Oh, Sean, thank you. There's a link there. All right. Um, please consider, I know this is a bad, you know, bad year. It's a horrible year. So if you can't, maybe you can just share it to help and get, you know, just share it so that we can get other people helping just so we can kind of just give him extra confidence that he can get back home, make some changes. And he wants to get back to work. That's that, that is what the man is like. You know, he wants to get home, be able to be independent and get to work. That's what he'll do. And uh, we can really do with him working in this industry. We'll be benefiting a lot from him. Any last words from you, mate? No, no, not really. Please give what you can for Paul, really. That's all I can all right. say. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. Goodbye.